Hello and welcome to the Drunken Fan Podcast, your home for everything Dallas-Fort Worth sports metroplex related. Man, every time we do get a second chance at this, I always do it worse. We always do it worse. So, yep. Well, you know, it just happens. Dallas-Fort Worth sports. We're here and we're gonna do it. I'm I'm your uh, your host Cameron, and I am the co-host with the co-most Mal. Uh, every time we do our intros, really are like a perfect metaphor for dfw sports every time we get a chance to run it back we're like okay it's gonna be better now we lose to the giants yes yeah oh god yep we'll get into that too (laughs) somehow some way cowboys find a way to disappoint even in a disappointing season they still find a way to make it worse so they found the exact worst case scenario dude the worst the worst case scenario. Well, I think the worst case scenario, honestly, would, would have been, been if they won. If they won yeah. And then, yeah, that would have been worse. So, at least they didn't win, but it's still not much better. So No. I think I, I saw somewhere that they, they're going to have the seventh overall pick. No way. No way. No way. The the, the Giants just, uh, I, I think that the, I'd, I'd be surprised if it was that at six and ten. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get into it in a second. So, Man, what a weird week it has been. Not just for sports related, but for at least for me. Like I like it's just it's just been a crazy crazy little week here. But I'm glad to be glad to be here doing this with you, buddy. So Me too. How you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, man, like we signed off last week with doing the the John Harper thing for uh, who who are not Harper, but uh uh, the guy who played Luke Harper and Brody Lee yeah. for eight. And man, I watched AEW this because for those of you who don't know, I'm very into wrestling and uh, that not the, not Monday night raw or Friday night Smackdown. That's terrible, but I will, I'll watch like anything else like ring of honor and AEW and stuff like that. And AEW this week was just nothing but a tribute to Brody Lee. Oh, I cried the whole two hours, man. It was just so freaking sad. And it was so cool that they, uh, he won a title called the TNT Championship that they just created, AEW did, just to kind of honor the TNT brand and stuff like that. It's kind of like their Intercontinental Champion that WWE has. And uh, he had recently lost it before he had went into the hospital to... Uh, uh, to Darby Allen, but what they did this last Wednesday is they they brought his son and his wife out to the ring, and they retired his boots that he always wore. He put it in the middle of the ring, and they named they named Brody Lee TNT Champion for life. Wow! So they just they took the championship that they created for TNT, and they they dedicated it to his honor. So now no one else will be TNT Champion, and it was just. As soon as I saw that, like I just, I just lost it and just started bawling. Like it was just so sad. So it was just crazy. And then I got a freaking splinter up my nail. That was no fun Ooh. either. Then it, you know, it's bad whenever you go to the hospital and you make the nurses cringe. Like it's just, yeah. Like, and I didn't even think it was that bad. It hurt. Don't get me wrong, but still, it's been a weird week. But we survived it, and here we are. 
and uh yes sir let's let's dive on into this so where do you want to start dude i think that we need to start with the most interesting team of the week and that'd be the rangers rangers so nothing happened yeah nothing happened the only the only thing that the the what was it the espn's uh power ranking i think it was uh yeah, i think it was uh just the scores power rankings oh, score. i don't think it was yeah it's just the scores power ranking and it's it, they've got the rangers all the way down at the bottom at 31 at yep at next to last which is to be expected at least yeah. now they're not sitting there saying they're being the experts you know because i mean that's you see that everywhere the rangers are always going to be down near the bottom and last year they kept saying that the Rangers were going to be this sleeper team that you had to kind of look out for, and it let us all down. Yeah. And so at least this week, I guess you could get you could go worse than next to last. You could be last, but if who even was, if they who do, was last? um, uh, I don't remember. Oh, well, I don't remember, but that's I know why that, they're last. Yeah, I know that. I know. Oh no, it was uh, it was Pittsburgh. Um, that's who it was. Yeah, it was Pittsburgh. So. We'll see. And then also they're saying that, and I completely misread this because you, like, I, we just figured this out before I started before we started recording, but uh, I guess the Rangers are also interested in another pitcher from Japan named Tomoyuki Sugano. And uh, I thought it was Irihara who it was saying, because it was saying that he, that, <clears throat> that Sugano arrived in the U.S. to weigh final offers, and he's getting offers from the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Blue Jays. So I was sitting here going, I thought Irihara committed to the Rangers, and I didn't think that it was so. It, he would have pulled like a, uh, what was the name of that Clippers player that they, uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, that that committed to the Mavs, but and then, then they, they, the, they locked him in his house. The Clippers did. I know. Yeah, and, I was like, what? And then, and then next year, whenever Harrison Barnes signed to the Mavericks, uh, Donnie Nelson brought handcuffs and put a handcuff on him and Harrison Barnes <laughs> until he signed the con- like. Literally, there's pictures of it where he's holding the handcuffs up with the with uh, with uh, Harrison Barnes with Harrison Barnes next to it as he's signing his contract, dude. If like, so that explain. I mean. Not to get off topic or anything, but that whole situation really has fueled an like irrational hatred for that organization. See, the Clippers for me, it, like this is how bad the Clippers used to be. Is that it doesn't like they could have done that, and I still don't hate the Clippers. The Clippers are one of those teams that were so bad for so long. Like yeah. as soon as they started to get good, I'm like, good for them. Like, oh yeah, fucking finally. Oh, yeah. B- uh, until that moment, and then I'm like, no, fuck them. Yeah, see, that was more that was more Doc Rivers that I hated, but then yeah. but then Doc Rivers came out whenever Dirk play, was playing his final game against the Clippers, and Doc Rivers stopped the game and grabbed the microphone and was like, "Dirk Nowitzki, greatest of all time," and I went, "Okay, yeah, he's made up, he's made up for it." Like oh, that yeah. was such a class act by him. Oh yeah. Oh, so, yeah. but uh, yeah. but yeah, the, so this this pitcher named uh, uh, Tomoyuki Sugano, he is. Uh, he's one of the top free agents because he had a 101 and 49 record with a 232 ERA over eight seasons. And uh, last year he went 14 and two with a 197 ERA and a 0.89 WHIP over 137 and a third innings last year. So his numbers are a little bit more impressive. I mean, I don't know how much he's considering 
joining the Rangers, but I guess they're one of the few teams that have shown interest. And it, it would be, I would think it would be unusual for him to pick the Rangers considering how bad they are. I don't think that you want to come here as a top a, a top tier free agent at yeah. 31 years old yeah. to be on a rebuilding team. Yeah, I think, honestly, I do think it would be between, uh, I think it'll be between the Yankees and the Rangers, to be honest, but I think it's going to be the Yankees. Why? Why do you think that the Rangers are actually considering that? No, I, I think that he would be. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. Why, I'm sorry. Why do you think that he would be considering the Rangers? Uh, the Rangers are like in, as far as the Asian countries, they're they're a favorite. Like, like because of you, Darvish. Because of people like you, Darvish and uh, Chinsu Chu, and like they're they've they've made themselves they've established themselves in Japan and in Korea. And there, there are Jap- Japanese and Korean Rangers fans. So that would be the only reason why I would think that he would might have a leg up on the other teams because the other teams are also rebuilding. The Yankees are the only team that you listed that aren't rebuilding. So, yeah, I I think Toronto though from once again from the little that I read about it, Toronto seemed like that. It, it, Toronto doesn't seem like they're in a rebuild, or if they are, they're on the upward swing of it. At least that's what everyone is projecting from Toronto right well, now. Well, yeah, because they, they they have a lot of young players. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Bo, I mean, it's Bo still Bichette. a young team. Well, okay, but... I, say, I say a lot. There's Bo Bichette and there's Vlad Jr., and that's it. Yeah. But, you know, that's... Those, those Bo Bichette? Good. Yeah, Bo Bichette. It makes me think of Boba Fett. I know. You know he got that all, like, growing up. And now that Probably. The Mandalorian is out, yeah, that's getting it more than ever, and... I've never seen but an episode. It's, it's not Bushette, it's Bishette, but I say it Bobachette. Bobachette. It's just easier. Bobichette? Bobachette. Bobachette. Yeah, it's easier the other way. So I gotta take a big Bobachette. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would rather be Bobachette then, because <laughs> that would be worse. I'd rather be... Anyway, he's Dante Bachette's son. Okay. That doesn't say anything to you. I have no idea who the fuck uh, that he is. Was, he, he played uh, outfield for the Rockies, I think, in the 90s. So. Oh, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I knew the Rangers, and that was about it. Yeah. And I barely even knew that. Yeah. Like I, I knew Juan Gonzalez and Rusty Greer. No Pudge? Yeah, Pudge. Yeah, Pudge. No uh, Rafael Palmeiro? Nope. Not really. Not, not until... Not, like that's how that's how far out of the game I was with the Rangers is I didn't like Rafael Palmero whenever he started to come out about the steroid allegations and everyone was saying ex Ranger great, really, and I I was like what really because I I because he left the Rangers and went to um, the Orioles the Orioles and that's where I remember him is is being on the Orioles yeah he started with the Cubs came to the Rangers then went to the Orioles then I don't remember where he went after that I think he I mean I know he came back to the Rangers for a little bit. But uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, this isn't this isn't a Rafael Palmero podcast. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, I just I'm just saying like that's just. But this, that's how little happened for the Rangers this year. We're talking about Rafael, Rafael Palmero. Yeah. But. But. So that's I mean it, yeah. that's yeah that's it. I mean Chris <laughs> Young. I'm telling you, I think I, and see I'm I'm. It's not that I'm finished expecting Chris Young to do things because I mean for all we know it could he could do something just out of nowhere. And uh, out of nowhere, yeah, yeah, and I mean that'd be that'd be fine. But I think Chris Young has done enough. I don't. I'm not expecting any more moves from the Rangers. And I think between now and whenever we finally get a start date for mm-hmm. the MLB season and what it's going to look like, 
uh, I, I just don't expect us to have a whole lot to say about the Rangers. No, but, so. but I do think that these moves in the offseason have set the tone, and I think I think a lot of us that are watching the Rangers, are we're not expecting, and I mean, nobody's expecting the Rangers to compete next year or even the year after that, but with the moves that Chris Young has made and the amount of moves that he's making, I wouldn't be surprised if we are talking about the Rangers being on the upswing very quickly. Yeah, I mean, there's another Rangers team out there that it was very, it's very similar, and that's the New York Rangers. And everyone was expecting them to be rebuilding for a long time, and then they get, uh, uh, they get uh, Mika Zibanejad. Well, he came out of nowhere for sure. To Rangers fans, no, but to the rest of the NHL, we all kind of went, where the hell did this guy come from? And then they got Capo Caco at number two in the draft. Then they signed the bread man. Uh, Panarin, and then they and then they get the number one overall pick this year with Lafreniere, and he's playing in the World Juniors right now. Or no, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. That's right. They said, but he uh, he just got to training camp today, and from what I was reading, it was uh, apparently there. Like he looks just as good as advertised. So and so they rebuilt super fast, and I'm willing to bet that these Rangers, the Texas Rangers, are doing the same thing. Like it's, I I I think that if. Sam Huff plays as well as, as as the small sample size as we saw, and I think if Josh Young really does as well as we think that he can, uh, I, I I don't see why this team can't be two three years being on the upward swing of everything. So, yeah, it's still exciting. So we'll 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 see what happens. So I got something I got something that's very exciting that I do want to play here for for you guys just because I saw this today. Really, I heard it today, and I'm just like, all is right in the world. That is the sound of hockey training camp starting for the stars, and it started today, and uh, so we are just a mere nine days away well really for the stars they're 10 days away as of january 4th from the start of the season but january 13th is opening night and uh it's it's just real exciting to see the team back on the ice just one two problems i guess uh joe pavelski is day-to-day and uh anton hudobin is technically day-to-day as well because there is immigration problems w- between kazakhstan and the u.s so it, it's it's going to depend on how long because i mean if anton hudobin doesn't get here until like two days before the start of the season you can't put him in net he's not going to be ready so yeah. jake ottinger is about to get a he could potentially get a rude awakening and say hey welcome welcome really to the show kid you're starting the first night yeah I just want to point yeah, out real quick, you didn't tell me what you were going to play, and I guess we're going into the stars now. Oh, yeah. You, you didn't tell me what you were going to play, and my initial reaction was, is this the intro music to some shitty industrial 90s techno? Like, that's I thought it was about to be like... Why? I, just the, the way that it's... I didn't... My brain didn't register hockey. It was just like, what the fuck is that? And then I, I finally, oh, when I heard oh. the whistle, I was like, oh, that's hockey. But but for a, like a good ten seconds, I was like, "Is it about to go? Y'all ready for this or whatever?" Oh no 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 no! Like, that's just fuck? skates and and pucks and <laughs> sticks and whistles and everything and pads and all that stuff. And it's it just sounds it just everything just sounds right in the world at least with this point. So, um, so the, I mean, and then obviously you've got Sagan and Bishop 
out long term. So it's yeah. this is one of those things where it's like, fuck, the season hasn't even started yet, and there's already injury problems. And unfortunately, it's a short season. Yeah, but see, I think that they're not expecting Joe Pavelski to really be no. out that long no, because I'm, I'm they've got more about Bishop and uh, Sagan. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I know, I know, but I think that the I. The stars looked great, pretty much with a non-existent Sagan. Like, yes, he was on the ice for the for the playoffs, but he didn't do anything. So, I and I'm not saying that oh we can like they'll be fine without Sagan, but they've shown that they can put up points and they can yeah. win crucial games without Sagan and without Bishop. That's true. So we'll true. we'll, we'll really have to see what happens here because I mean the the one downside is is that all these teams have all of this material that they can use to scout Anton Hudobin. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no one else, like, especially whenever the teams returned and started doing bubble play, like, it's are these teams going to be different? What are they going to look like? And you've got a huge chunk, huge sample size of the stars, and really, but you also have really huge, not much, not much sample, of anyone else. Huge sample size against the the Lightning too, though. Yeah, but the Lightning and won Vasilevsky. it all. But the but the Lightning won it all, and 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 you know what you're gonna get with Vasilevsky, and you're just gonna get dominance. No know, one just, knew what they. No, no, I know. I'm just I'm just saying like I'm it's just, just trying to put a positive spin on. No, I know, and I'm not trying to say it's negative. Like like it it, it it's just we like the and should, if you want, should. Tamper expectations a little bit, I, possibly tamper temper. So, and it's just it's really just going to depend on when Hudobin gets back, if Pavelski's going to be ready to go. Uh, but see, the way that the 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 teams were lined up and the lines were lined up today at practice, they've got Justin Dowling being the center on that second line, which is usually Pavelski's spot right there, and he had uh, Kivi Ranta and. Uh, Radulov on the wings, so it leads me to believe Radulov's not on the money line. No, I don't think so, and we'll and we'll we'll get in, we'll get into that in a second. And uh, mm. it, I think it's because of Sagan being out, so they had to. It, we'll 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 get into oh, it in a second. But uh, they, so it's got Kiviranta, who him and Pavelski throughout the entire playoffs had this weird chemistry. Yeah, it was just it was like they just they they just it's, meshed well. So yeah, I yeah, I think yeah. that it's like. Like Pavelski took him under his wing. Yeah, and I think that I think that putting Dowling on that line kind of just shows that it's Dowling is always really good to be that kind of fill-in guy, but not the long-term solution. I love Justin Dowling to death. It his goal, his first goal last year in Calgary, where he's from, was awesome. And the the story about his mom buying beer whenever he scored it is even better. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things that it's just so just Justin Dowling, I'm not trying to discredit anything that this guy brings to the table, but you're not gonna whenever you put these lines together, if you really think Pavelski's gonna be out for a really long time, then I don't think you put Dowling there. I think you put Dickinson there. Yeah. So and and I think you gotta let them kind of get their grooves going. So we've got uh and and another interesting thing that I saw was if you look at all the defensive pairings that they had at practice today, Julius Honka was not on it at all. Huh. So I don't know what the story is behind that because it was it was a huge out of left field kind of notification whenever they said that they were bringing Honka back. So at first I'm sitting there thinking, where's he going to fit into this system? Didn't it say that he was coming back on a two-way contract, though? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, but see, but you've got, like, a lot of players that are on two-way contracts as well, you know? And uh, Yeah. So, it, it, 
it still seems unusual that he wasn't even really in any pairing anywhere. And so, I, I, like, I don't know. Maybe they want to see, like, how he starts in the AHL and uh-huh. see if they can kind of get, like, a little like a little feel for did he stay in shape? Uh, is, he, is he NHL ready? And they don't want to thrust him into it automatically. But uh, I just still found it unusual that he wasn't on any of the pairings at all for – any ice time today for the opening day of training camp. So uh, that those those were really the two big ones yeah. that I saw. Uh, but it I, I don't think that I would worry too much about Pavelski. I think he'll be ready. It's Anton Hudobin that I'm going to be most worried about. But I read an article from Defending Big D today that was saying that initially before the whole Anton Hudobin thing was going to be was released to the public about his uh, about his immigration problems here yeah. uh, is the defending big D guys were saying that he was going to write an article that Ottinger should have started opening night anyway just so that way to get w- yeah well and see and whenever you whenever you get into that second game against Florida in two nights you've got another fresh goalie off of his fresh start mm-hmm. uh or off of his Stanley Cup Finals run ready to go for game two and you kind of have like a good feel for Florida and that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I get, I get why that would be, but I would still, I've got my starting, what I think will be the starting lineup on opening night here. And I still have Hudobin in that. And I, I, I just think if Hudobin's ready to go, I think you start him. Yeah. So that's uh let me, do you have, do you have anything to add? I don't want to, I don't want to. No, 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 no. So here's, here's my projected starting lineup. And I made this before, all the news came out today, so it this is this. So doesn't matter. First line is going to be Ben Hints and Garyanov. I just Ooh. I think I that's that's why I think oh. Radulov does not make the the top line there is because I think if Sagan's in it, I think that yes, I think Radulov does go up top, and you put the three big guns together. Yeah, but you've got to put Hints at. He's quite frankly earned that top line center role. That. Uh, I think he's earned it over the last few seasons. And I think that they're slowly going to kind of start getting ready to put the hints and Garyanov and Kiviranta line as that top line. It's just not quite there because Kiviranta, you just, you don't know what he's going to look like in a full season. Yeah. So I think that that's the starting, the the first line, I think that's the starting line. And, uh, and obviously what Garyanov did last year and in the playoffs, you, you can't sit there and think that he hasn't earned that spot either, alongside with Ben, who yeah. just looked like a beast in the bubble. So yeah. here's hoping that he doesn't regress. He just keeps getting better and better in this system. Beast in the bubble sounds like a really good screamo band. Beast in the bubble. See, and there's another one too. Like whenever the whole masks thing started coming about for COVID, yeah. and I was working at Trader Joe's, it's like you got to be smiling, smiling behind the mask. I'm like, ah, good emo band right there. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> second line I think is Kiviranta, Pavelski, and Radulov. Once again, we've already kind of covered it. Pavelski and Kiviranta have that good chemistry, and Radulov really kind of discovered himself in the bubble too. I think, and I think that, I think that he would work well on the opposite side of Kiviranta. Once again kind of taking him under his wing kind of thing. And so it it just really seemed like that everyone kind of, every, all the big names really di- rediscovered themselves mm-hmm. in the bubble except for Sagan. But now we know why Sagan didn't. It's because he was injured. Yeah. So, and 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 that's fine. I, I was critical of Sagan there for a little bit, but whenever he really didn't start to show up, I kind of looked at it and going like, I bet you he's injured. And, well, and 
he he had three straight games with an assist. So it's yeah. he just wasn't he didn't get the goal production, but he still was. You just you don't bring Sagan in here for no, assists. No, 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 you don't. But it's nice to see that when he's not scoring goals, he can still help put points on the board. Yeah, of course, of course. And so it, it, here's hoping for a speedy recovery. I'm not sitting there saying the stars are going to be fine without him. No, they yeah, can't. Yeah. They they there's no way he needs to come back and he needs to be ready to go. I'll give you one guess what you think the third line's going to be. Uh, well, I'm down with FCC. Dude, always. That's the one line that you know will always be consistent. And yeah, that's going to be me. that's going to be Como, Foxa and Cogliano. And uh, it's so funny because all three are centers, but <laughs> but but I mean, but they, they like obviously they can't all play center. So like you and they just gave Foxa that big extension, so you know he's and he's always been the center in that line. But yeah. it's just that just shows how great these guys have all kind of come together and really, really kind of just discovered this great chemistry. So it's so the FCC line for sure, and then the third line, the fourth line, I'm not a hundred percent set on this. Okay. This was just kind of a stab in the dark, and really looking at everything, going, I don't know who else they would pick. No clue. Mm-hmm. So I've got center. I've got Dixon. Dixon. Dickinson. Dickinson. That's what I'm saying. Dixon. <laughs> oh God, that's gonna be fun now. Uh, so yeah, I've got Dickinson centering, and on the left, I've got Nick Camano. And on the right, I've got Jason Robertson. We've kind of gotten a little bit of a taste of Nick Camano. But never have we seen Jason Robinson. But one thing we have seen from Jason Robinson is points, and a lot of them in in the OHL and in the AHL. Like he's just every single league that he has ever that he has ever played in, he has always been able to find the back of the net or set up people to put the puck in the back of the net. The it dude is a deep. the dude is a monster, and I'm hoping that he gets his shot. And once again, I'm not married to this. We don't know if Pavelski's going to be back. We don't know. I, I mean, and really, it's gonna. Does Robertson have a shitty training camp? And uh, Bonus looks at him and says, "Nope, you're not ready. We're gonna send you down." And maybe Riley Tufty has this great, uh, this great training camp. Just the only reason why, I, another reason why I like Robertson there is that you've got a true right wing playing right. Yeah. And you, Riley Tufty's a center, and it's just it's kind of like whenever an offensive lineman moves from like left guard to right tackle or something like that. It's it, on the surface, it might seem like the same thing, but it's not. Yeah. So Sim- similar, but different enough to cause yes, people problems. Of course. So it's just one of those things where I think that that fourth line is going to be that big question mark. But if Pavelski is healthy, I would really like to see that. So those are my top. Those are my four lines right there: Ben Hensgaryanov, Kiviranta, Pavelski, Radulov, Como, Foxa, Cogliano, and then Kamano, Dickinson, and Robertson. The defensive pairing. Super easy. It was very easy to make this one. This was just like, okay, moving on to the next one. Yeah. I got Lindell and Klingberg as the top defensive pairing still because, I mean, I know that Haskinen is eventually going Hays- to take yeah, over that is, spot. But I think Haskinen is the best defenseman on the team, but his his pairing partner needs to come up before they move up to that first line. Well, and see, I, it's everyone looks at Klingberg, and Klingberg is the quarterback of this team, whenever, it, especially whenever it comes to the power play and all that stuff, but really the the person with whom you were going to be paired, knowing that you're going to be on the top line, is Essa Lindell. Essa Lindell is always going to be that top physical presence of a defenseman. Like Once Haskinen kind of takes over, if Lindell's still there, it's going to be Lindell and Haskinen. That's oh, okay. going to be the one constant. So? Yes, I thought, always. I, I figured it was more like... Uh, like- 
like the other lines where it's like you've got this uh, you've got this chemistry and you know how to play well together and, and so maybe you move both of them up at the same time no i don't i don't think so not as long as not as long as number 23 is still on this team Fair. like you're like essa lindell is going to be the number one defending defenseman on this team Fair. um hayes will eventually take over all of that i think he really does have norris trophy written all over him many norris trophies i think and we'll see but, uh, but yeah, I think that still the top pairing right now is Lindell and Klingberg. They both deserved it. They didn't, Klingberg and Lindell both had rough Stanley Cup finals, but this whole team had rough Stanley, uh, had a rough Stanley Cup finals with the exception of game one. Yeah. And it, so, but, uh, the number two pairing, Haskinen and Alexiak, yeah. just hands down. Big rig. Then, uh, Sekera and Pesic. That's going to be that last little pairing. So once again, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Honka. I don't think that there's going to be some defenseman that's going to be coming in. The one sad thing is, is that Stephen Johns is now done for the season. Already. Yep, he's still suffering from post-traumatic headaches, and I think he's done for his career. I think that, and it's such a shame. Yeah, I, I, I think you feel for him. I, I really him. want him to be as healthy as he can, and that's as a human being. But in the end, I can be selfish and say it sucks that nothing came out of yeah. that trade because that trade that brought Patrick Sharp over here and Stephen Johns because it, uh, uh, Jim Nill was very vocal about saying that yes, it's nice to get Patrick Sharp, but, but this Stephen is the Johns Stephen Johns good. trade. Yeah, and it he just great story, great story, especially whenever he had that first game back in the AHL and he recorded like three assists and two goals it was like insane and it's something that i think that they will make a movie about one day especially with mental health being as big of a deal that it is like it really does have disney movie written all over it yeah but right now it just sucks because he is that big body defenseman that really can that that can also score so he's roman Polak with a fucking wrister and uh roman Polak obviously is gone now they're not they no one re-signed him he's staying over there so he's gone but uh but it just sucks that you've got to miss out on that big body that steven johns could have brought to the table because i mean i could have seen him and alexiak being that massive yeah line that you just do not want to fuck with and he's done for the season the they, bros. they've never said we'll get into movies next week i'm <laughs> telling you i've been re-watching all these hockey movies and it's just got me juiced so we'll get into movies next week though piss on any shore yeah <laughs> <laughs> old time hockey <laughs> piss on old time hockey anyway go ahead so uh but yeah Sekera and Pesic I think uh it's gonna be and it's gonna be great to see Pesic not have to worry about playing forward as much because he is a natural defender but he can play both and mm-hmm. and Rick Bonus will be doing a really good job of maybe adapting on the fly especially if someone gets injured or if someone's just game is has it, gone to shit is that something you can do mid-game are oh you, yeah are you oh, you're yeah. allowed to to go from a as long as to I mean as as long as you're on the bench there yeah you can just be like you're playing forward right now like go play forward on this line oh okay yeah yeah of course I did, I you just rules. can't yeah you just you just can't go to healthy scratches and be like hey go suit up we need you and then they join the bench you know if you're a healthy scratch you're done for the game right okay. for obvious reasons yeah so just sucks get better steven johns but selfishly and as a stars fan it just it really sucks that nothing's coming out of that so we'll see what happens nothing is official yet maybe he'll come back and he'll be able to kind of find this new resurrection like a second resurrection of his career and it'd be nice i just doubt it yeah and then for the goaltenders 
Hudobin's starting and Ottinger's going to be the backup on yep. the bench. Yep. So that's that's my that's my starting lineup for opening night. Subject to change. It depends on how training camp goes. I just think that right before just going into it and not being able to watch any of training camp either, which sucks. Um we're just not going to know until opening night. Like yeah. it's just, I'm sure that reporters are there. I don't even think reporters are there either. They're just getting their updates from, uh, uh, from like their Zoom meetings and stuff like that. So this is just all completely. This is the, this is weirder than whenever they were getting the bubble started. Yeah, because the bubble started was like its own little entity, and we expected it to be weird, and we were going into it not knowing what to expect for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. This is different because it's like, okay, well, this is training camp. But we can't watch it, and we don't know what's going on, and we're getting our information from secondhand. Yeah, secondhand, and all that stuff, and it's just, it's just, it's unusual. So, yeah, yeah. one last thing I do want to talk about with the stars is just the utter disrespect for the Western Conference champions. They, the NHL release, and every year there's always this, this, there's always something that comes out, and stars fans always seem slighted whenever it comes to the nationally televised games. And this year, it's just so much worse. The Stars have one nationally televised game this year. The fucking Blackhawks and Detroit Red Wings, who are, who are slated to be two of the worst teams in the league, they play each other head-to-head more times on national TV than the Stars have national televised games. It's, it's, it's going to be against the Carolina Hurricanes... I can't even remember what day it was. I didn't even write it down just because it's one of those things that you just look at that and just go, what do they have to do? What do the Stars have to do in order to get some respect around the league? Yeah. Like, even if they win the cup, like, it's just their one cup that they have is just shrouded in controversy. So even that cup, people look at it and go, yeah, that that Stars team was good, but Brett Hull's skate was in the crease. It was, but you need to learn the rules and know that that goal did count. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it's just like nothing that this team does ever gets any respect, especially from the National Hockey League. Yes, I know that I was very open and critical about the critics of Gary Bettman because it's like, well, Gary Bettman brought the draft and he brought a, he brought a winter classic and all that stuff. But see, that's something that the NHL gifts to organizations and eventually every organization is going to get one. It doesn't matter how good or bad or revered you are throughout the league. Everyone's going to get one. Yeah, there's only... 30 te- 31 teams, you know. Yeah, and the Blackhawks can only play in so many. Yeah. But I'm sure they're going to put the Blackhawks in another one again soon. Just fuck, dude. Like, But still, like that's stuff that the NHL gives you. It has nothing to do with your performance on the ice. Your performance on the ice should determine how many nationally televised games you get because that's, that's just something that... The good teams are the ones that people are gonna want are gonna want to watch, and you're telling me that you that more people are gonna want to watch Detroit and Chicago play each other twice on nationally. Te- of course, Detroit and Chicago in their markets, yes. And are they original six teams? Yes. And I understand why Detroit and but, Chicago would need to would garner yeah, a big audience, but, but still, ho- hockey fans in uh, like New York, they're not gonna want to sit there and watch Detroit versus Chicago, even if they're uh, one of the original, you know, a couple of original six teams. They're going to look at it and they're going to go, why am I watching this? Like, I mean, that's just, it's awful hockey. Detroit won 17 fucking games all year last year, and they're probably going to win that many this year. 
And I just don't get it. Well, if they win that many this year, that's a huge improvement because there's only 53 games. Yeah. But, st- <laughs> but I mean, if you only win 17 games, even still, will it's, it be an it's improvement? Still it's bad. Yeah, it's but, still, yeah. But percentage-wise, that's a big jump. Oh, it's just, it's just so frustrating. One one game, the team goes to the Stanley Cup Finals, a Cinderella story team that nobody saw coming, and you get one nationally televised game. Just an insult. Unfuck yourself, NHL. Like, seriously, get this shit under control because I don't know what the stars have to do to gain some respect around here because there is fucking none. Zero. Yeah. And, and, and of course, everyone's sitting there talking about, oh, yeah, the stars did so great last year, but there's no way they can repeat again this year. Man, you know that they see this shit, and I hope that they just fucking take it right at them. And I hope that opening night against Florida, they just fucking just rail them. They just come out and they just hold, show them. Hold them down and give them the business. All the fucking disrespect that... Nice. All the disrespect <laughs> that they have gotten where they have to play Tampa on Tampa's home ice before the Stars even get a home game. Insult. One nationally televised game. Fucking insult. Like, it's just... It is it is unacceptable. And I, I, even if this team won the Cup... Like, like, what if the, what if they won the cup? Like, how would it look? Like, would they, would they be hosted in prime time like Tampa is? Two nationally televised yeah, games. Yeah, two, two. Being like, yeah, they won the cup, but they won't do it again. Or what? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get the justification. I don't get it. You so, what? well, whatever. That's all I've got. That's all I've got on the stars. It's just stay tuned next week because next week we'll have. It'll be the last episode before the season starts. Yeah, we'll, so. have, we'll have an actual game preview for you. Well, yeah, we can talk about game previews. We'll know what the... I, I don't think we'll know the starting lineups, but we'll have a better idea of where Pavelski is. Uh-huh. And, and then I'll do... And I'll, Hudobin. And, and Hudobin. And I would love to see... Uh, and uh, we can also talk like we did basketball and just do movies. Do hockey movies that that I really like, and I don't know if you want yeah, to contribute give, on give that. Give me a heads up on that next time, so I have something to contribute. To. I did. I seriously, <laughs> I seriously put that that basketball list together like five minutes before we started recording. Yeah, like like you were you were off doing something, and I just wrote it down, just being like, oh, this is something different. Yeah. So yeah, so I. But yes, now you have. What do you mean? Give you the heads up? Here's your heads up. Yeah, yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm just saying. So all right, cool. That's that's all I've got. You got anything? Uh. I just, dude, I am pumped, man. I'm gonna be wearing the blackout jersey, and I might turn all the lights in my house off, just to, you know, just to pretend I'm on the ice. Like, <laughs> so, so you could like pleasure yourself while you enjoy hockey, like the rest of us. Again, yeah. We used to have this serial masturbator who would get himself thrown in the penalty box on purpose, and once they closed that door, he would. <laughs> I love Slapshot so much. I can't wait to watch this. All right. So, you ready? For trivia. <laughs> so, Texas, the Texas Longhorns basketball team whipped up on Kansas for for my for my game of the week which I mean it was anything but the game of the week. <laughs> Texas really came out and we'll we'll cover that we'll cover that later. Anyway, yeah. But Texas ends up winning that game by 25 points. Yes sir. On February 25th, 2006. 
That was the last time Texas beat Kansas by 25 points, which matches the total, like like the highest amount that Texas has ever beaten them by. Yeah. Texas won that game in February of 2006, 80 to 55. Can you tell me who was the leading scorer on that team for Texas? Okay. That's the trivia question. All right. All right. So uh, move on to the Mavs. Let's do it. Or do you want do you want to take a guess at all, or do you just want to wait until the end? Let's just wait till the end. Okay. Okay. That's Let's fine. wait till the end. Yep. I figured Sorry. we can get a player's name out this time. Like the last few times we've well, no, I, I did the one for. Uh, yeah, but you did hockey, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was hockey. So yeah, that's that's why I was telling you. I thought that this one was going to be a little bit better I actually for do you. Know two names from that era. So okay. So yeah. So let that one. There's so one let that, that everybody one, knows, but there's one that not everybody knows. Uh huh. Thinking it's the one that not everybody knows. Maybe you don't know. So uh, we can we'll just let that one marinate. And uh, we can go on to the Mavs. Mavericks. Oh my God! This is uh, dude. Uh, this is this is one of those weeks that I just am at a loss for words here. And they're here winning is. right now. Well, yeah, I know. And they're but see, but they're playing Chicago. They're, I know, but still. no, 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 no. They're playing Houston. Oh tonight. yeah, they're they're playing Houston tonight. And uh, and Houston is just you want to talk about a team that's just all over the map, all over the fucking place right now. So. Oh, if we'll we'll get we'll get to the games this this next week first of all, but let's just talk about these last few games. So the first game against Charlotte, man, that's just one of those that I really think that this team let that one get away from them, and I think that the biggest problem was once again Luca comes out and does not show up. Like I I think that the problem was is that Luka Doncic kind of bought into his own hype. And I don't think he worked as hard as he probably should have this offseason. Whether it be on his conditioning or whether it be on uh, like his shooting, I just think that he kind of let his he he was he's a 21 year old kid, and I think that he kind of let his ego get in the way of allowing him to really perfect his craft. And I think he's getting like a rough lesson in saying, hey, you're not bigger than this game. I don't care how big you get. Like even Michael Jordan had to work at this even after he got as big as he did. Uh, LeBron James had to work at this. Larry Bird had to work at this. Like it was just always a constant thing. And that's the only thing that I can think of because Luka comes out and only drops 12 on Charlotte. And, 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 And I guess in his defense, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. But uh, so I mean that might have hindered things a little bit, but still, man, like you've got you've got to come out and you got to have more than twelve points against a really really bad Charlotte Hornets team. But then also Lamelo Ball, he went ahead and just had himself a day with twenty two points, and then uh, Miles Bridges had sixteen points to follow. So this these two these two young players are really kind of showing that they are the real deal and LaMelo Ball is showing that he's probably better than his brother. And thank God his dad has finally kept his mouth shut. Because I I think that Lorenzo Ball and his 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 career was affected by how much his dad really got in the way of how great he could have been. And that just sucks with being the oldest child, I guess, is because your parents kind of have to adjust on the fly there. Yeah. And I think that now it's it's very much like Mark Cuban. You know, in the early 2000s, whenever they were making the playoffs, 14, 15, 16 years in a row, and he was, he was very vocal about the officials and how the NBA is rigged against the Mavs and all that stuff. 
He kept his mouth shut in 2011, and he came out and said that he wasn't going to be as vocal as he was in the past. And look what happened. Yeah. And I think it's kind of the same thing with LaMelo Ball. So, I mean, good on him. I don't Just because I don't like his dad doesn't mean that I don't feel for the kids and that I don't, I don't really hope that the kids do well because you can tell that these kids are just working their ass off just to try and be this great. And LaMelo Ball, he really does look that good. Yeah, that's the that's the yeah, we it's it's not a not a Ball Brothers podcast. No, no, I know, but I mean, I'm just yeah, t- like if you want to kind of explain really what happened. It is really to, it really really easy to hate them because of what Lamar Lavar Ball uh yeah, has become in the media. It's so, it's he has made himself a joke to push the brand and yeah. And it gave them publicity that they were probably already going to get. And so I don't know if it gave them any more good publicity, but now it's kind of one of those things where uh, people are just so sick of the, the Ball brothers that I think a lot of people are are already like, LaMelo's going to have to really show something to gain any kind of traction as far as his, a, a fan base and building up a following. Well, I mean, Charlotte drafted him like no, I, second I overall oh, this on, year or something on, like that. Yeah, the on court stuff is not yeah. going to be an issue yeah. with him. He's he's by far the most talented of the Ball brothers. But it's the fact that we've had what eight years now of Levar Ball running his mouth, and it's just like God, come on, man, just stop. That's just crazy stop. that it's been that long. Like it really yeah. doesn't feel like it. No. But no, but, but once you I look mean, back this, on when it, when this all happened, it's yeah. like Lamelo was like prepubescent. Like was was Lamelo the one that got arrested in China? Uh, no, I think that was Leangelo. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I was yeah. just curious. Yeah. But anyway, so there's uh one one other thing like one of the another problem with the Mavs in this especially in this Charlotte game is slow starts. Yeah. Not just in the game, but, but also coming out. In the, well, coming out in the second half too, yeah. because Charlotte comes out in the, at the start of the second half on a fourteen nothing run. And they end up outscoring the Mavs 30 to 12 in the third, the whole quarter. You know, and the Mavs also, they're one of their bread and butters last year. And the thing that kept their offense so revered was their ability to shoot threes. And they go one for 13 in the third quarter as well. So the third quarter is what really solidified this game. But overall, they went 11 for 41 yeah. in the game behind the, behind the arc. And that was really the big thing that kind of um, that that really doomed the Clippers against the Mavs is that they just weren't making their threes, and it was the same thing against Charlotte. And I, I know that that's a big part of your game, but you've got to kind of sit there and say like you've got to adjust. You've yeah. got to adjust yeah, if you're not making the them. Like eventually, you've got to kind of look at. It. But see, but by the time the third quarter's over and you go one for thirteen, maybe it's too little, too late. And that's why Rick Carlisle sits Luca because it's like, look, and 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 as we'll find out later, is that Luca is now day to day. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's playing. To, oh yes. Okay. Luca is playing tonight against Houston. So obviously it wasn't that bad, but I guess Bulls coming to town. They just were like, it's not worth it. We can drop this game. It'll be fine. But um, I, I guess maybe something kind of. Well, he, he didn't even injure himself until the game in the heat. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't explain this Charlotte game. I didn't even watch it. I didn't even watch it because I like as soon as I saw the score, I was just like, dude, this all this is gonna do is frustrate me, and I just kind of yeah. just need to let it let it go by and just kind of let that one just be like, let's just forget about this I, one. I honestly think most of it is uh, he's such a young player that 
the young guys are really the ones that benefit the most from training camp, you know, and they had a very abbreviated training camp. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is it, it you know, th- these games happen in training camp. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody yeah. Cares. Yeah. Nobody I mean, cares. it's, I mean, and it's, ha- it's happening to established superstars too. Look at Steph Curry. He had like five bad games in a row and everybody's like, Ooh, has he lost it? And then he dropped 63 last night. So, well, and you can also say that maybe the Cowboys could have been a little better this year if they would have had their preseason games too. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they had nothing and the Cowboys didn't really find themselves until the end of the season. Yep. Who knows what this team would have probably been like if they had a couple of tune-up games. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean that that that's a great point. I didn't even think about that at all. It just it you can just tell that Luka's not just in the right mind mind frame right mind frame right now and I I've been sitting there questioning his off-season skills, but yeah, I mean Training yeah, like yeah, season. It was like what a month. Yeah. Well, for the Mavs, it was a little longer. Well, it was seventy-two days between the f- last finals game and the opening night this year. So yeah, I mean that's true. So it just that's yeah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, one last thing about the Charlotte game is that uh, James Johnson was suspended in that game for starting some starting some shit with uh, Cody Martin. I don't know what happened. Like I said, I didn't watch the game. I just watched the highlights of the fight. It wasn't really a fight. It was the Charlotte was coming down to their offensive end of the floor and touching and rubbing. That's a massage. (laughs) And I think it moved. And uh, so James Johnson was sitting there guarding Cody Martin and he just kind of just pushes him out of bounds with his elbow. Yeah. And then they get in each other's faces and then he gets ejected. Then Cody Martin gets ejected for for touching an official and then he was also fined as well so it's that's one of those things i think that whatever happened james johnson usually does a better job of keeping his head on his shoulders i just think that the whole team was frustrated in that game and it it was just it just kind of just overflowed there so here's hoping that we don't see any more of that we don't need the mavericks to be looked at as this team that starts a bunch of shit and is labeled by the officials as dirty yeah so i Let's just hope that that's a one-off, but we'll see. So the game against the Heat, it was nice to see the Mavs kind of bounce back and come play the Heat. Uh, I know that they had just the Heat had just played two games against Milwaukee, and wins and losses against those, it doesn't matter. Those are going to be big tests for them. But it was nice to see Luka show up for this game. First double-double of the season. He hasn't had a triple-double yet, but he had 27 points and 15 rebounds. And then you want to talk about starting off fast? The Mavs scored the final nine points of the first half, and then they come out in the second half on a 10-2 run. And that really just kind of blew the doors off of it there, and the Mavs really were in control there. And then, I don't know if you saw this or not, but my goodness, Luka really just made that Miami Heat defender. I can't remember who it was, but he made him look silly with his ball handling skills because Luka Doncic goes between his legs, drives down into the lane, does a shot fake, Gets the guy to jump past him. Lucas spins around him and then just lays it in. Oh, it, that was just dirty. I know they don't make posters anymore, and I know that they say posterizing is a uh, is a dunking thing, but man, that's as close to being posterized as you can get without actually someone dunking on you. So, do they not make posters anymore? Not really. Like maybe wallpapers. Can you call it? But just saying posterize is a lot heads. more fun. Fat heads. Yeah. Well, but see, fat heads is just the player though. I don't know. I don't know that a big market for posters anymore. Fatheadized. Fatheadized. No. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, it was nice to see the Mavericks kind of come out, win that game against the Heat. Uh, they won it. I'm sorry. What is this? 
I just saw he. Yeah, they won. They won at ninety-three to eighty-three. So very low-scoring game, but it was. I mean, they held Jimmy Butler in check. I think he only had two points, and they were free throws. Wow. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. So, once again, it's it seems like that the Mavericks kind of play to their competition a little bit now, and then they kind of drop down, and then uh, Tom Herman syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Tom Herman. I guess. Our rest in peace, Tom Herman's coaching career. We'll get to that. (laughs) He didn't die. No, he didn't die. A part of him died that day, though. So yeah, so the Mavs come out and they show that they can they can win with defense, and they don't even score a hundred points. Like it's back to those early days whenever scoring a hundred points was like hardly ever seen. Hundred, you should win. Do you remember? Do you remember the the Chalupa chants that the Mavericks used to do in the early two thousands? Like if the Mavs scored a hundred points in a game, everyone got a free Chalupa from some restaurant. And I just remember once it got to like 98 points. Some restaurant? Yeah, I can't remember. It was like some, like, I don't know what was it was. It if Taco it, Bell? No, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, no. it was, it, I, Taco Bell, even if it's fast food, it's still a fast food restaurant. I know, but like, just some rest. Anyway. Don't yeah, I, yeah, some, yeah, some, some. It's like, yeah, they got a Big Mac from some restaurant. No, uh, but, okay, you can't <laughs> say a Big Mac from some anyway, restaurant. Anyway, anyway. So, but uh, once it got to like 98 points. And the Mavs were going down, or like 97, 98 points, and the Mavs were going down to their offensive. The whole crowd would start going, Chalupa, Chalupa, Chalupa. Oh, man, it was so funny. See, I've never been to a Mavericks game, so. Oh, dude, Mavericks games are so much fun. And I haven't seen Luka I've, play live yet either. I've so. never been to a professional basketball game in my life. We need to go to a Memphis Grizzlies game once all this shit's oh, behind dude, that's us. that's like seven hours away. Where else are we going to go? Oh, I, we can go to the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's go to the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, yeah let's do like, that. Dude, why? When Atlanta's right there. With America right there. (laughs) So, and then finally, the Mavs lost to the Bulls, uh, but no Luka, because he was nursing a quad injury that apparently he suffered in the fourth quarter uh, against the the Miami Heat, and he's considered day-to-day, and by day-to-day, it was just one game because he's playing now. Uh, But really, even though the Mavs lost this game 118-108, to This really was the Jalen Brunson show. All of Jalen Brunson's critics and everything were kind of silented, at least for one night. Yes, they lost, and I understand that. But Jalen Brunson comes out, has 17, or 17, 31 points and seven assists. So, and and he also had four really big points there in the fourth quarter whenever the the Mavs went on like a 6-0 run. And Jalen Brunson just really kind of came in and showed that he can... And will take over this offense, and he can be that starting guy. Just the main takeaway I take from this week: we need KP back. And I know we the broken record here, yeah. but once again, Dwight Powell can't show up. He can't defend. He can't score right now. He just can't. He these teams that they're playing against are just out muscling this man. Yeah, the, the, it's the big men that are giving them. The most I'm serious, fun. and it's 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 it's. I think that Dwight Powell once again probably could have benefited from a preseason. Probably. And a training camp and everything, just well, because he, was, he hasn't he was played also, meaning, meaningful basketball in almost a full calendar year. Yeah, because he, he was injured. He had the Achilles injury. So that's yeah. what that's what I'm not sitting here saying, like, it's time to get rid of Dwight Powell. No, I no, just no, no, think no, that know, he's, know, he's know, just struggling to kind of get yeah. into the rhythm of things, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we need KP back, and we need him soon. because And, and the good news is, is KP, uh, Porzingis was cleared for full contact and full participation in practice this week. 
There's no timetable from Rick Carlisle yet from whenever he's going to return. And I think that that's strategy from Carlisle. And I think so that the teams can't prepare. I think so. I think we won't know until like the day of. I don't think this is going to be one of those things where he's going to say, okay, we're targeting the 13th for him to be back against uh against Charlotte like like we don't want him we like you don't want to give those teams the heads up I just think it's going to be the day of I think Rick Clark Rick Carlisle is going to come out with a with a statement saying Porzingis has been cleared the doctor has medically cleared him he will be playing tonight yeah so like the the hockey thing upper body lower body body, even though like Ryan Getzlaff breaks his jaw they call it an upper body injury I'll never forget that (laughs) so um this week they've got Denver Orlando and New Orleans no, they don't. No, they don't. That New Orleans is next week. So they've got Houston tonight, Denver, and Orlando. Denver is another one of those teams in the West that has struggled. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that they'll take care of business tonight against Houston. I think that the Mavs are too good. Luka is ready to go after being sat. Uh, and I think that Houston is just such a shit show right now because they don't know what's happening with Harden. He's going to clubs and not wearing masks and violating covid protocol for the league and all this stuff and it's just a bunch of drama that's think, following it well and i think he's just doing that because he doesn't want to be in houston anymore yeah I, it, and he showed up and he clearly hasn't worked out yeah uh, well <laughs> he's worked out in a sense that like russell westbrook has kind of worked out for himself because now russell westbrook is playing in washington washington hasn't fought, won a game all year so, but but Russell Westbrook's numbers look great. And no, 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 no. I meant like, like exercise. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I see what you're saying. No, I, that, I was like, no, I mean, dude, James Harden, he's no, won MVPs no, no, and no, stuff. No, I'd no, say no, no, no. I meant like it, he looks like he's put on about 20 pounds since the bubble, and it's like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. So but, I, I mean, that, that, he clearly still in better shape than I am. I'm just saying, Denver. He, I, he wants out very badly. Well, here's and I I say let him go. I say let him go. I mean, who but who would want to be in Houston? No, like Rockets organization aside, I can't stand the city of Houston. <laughs> you know, it's just uh. so the uh, so yeah. So they're playing the Rockets tonight. They got Denver coming up on Thursday the seventh, which once again could be a trap game because it's good. These are two Western Conference teams that are going to be fighting for they're their lives struggling. right now, and they're and they're both kind of trying to get their feet under them. I think the the winner of this game, it, it you know gets a leg. Obviously, they get a leg up on the other one, but uh, I think, excuse me, it would it, the the winner of this game could be propelled into getting it together. You know, but I think if you drop this game, it's just gonna. As far as the momentum of your season, it, you're you're really, really you're. This is the one seven and one start for the for the stars. You know, like you the margin of error goes down to virtually zero. And see, the thing is, is that the they the the Denver Nuggets have this really big, really great center in uh in Nikola Jokic, and he's one of those guys that uh. I, do you start Dwight Powell against this guy who is pretty much playing defense but, like a revolving but, door right now? But Jokic can't jump. I it, it, but it, against Dwight Powell right now you it don't does, have to. It does it doesn't really seem like you have to work at that too much because once again like rebounding and everything yeah. is, is 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 very yeah, critical for this team. I mean, yeah, and like so I'm I'm not I'm not trying to discredit Jokic. I'm saying like if there is maybe somebody who physically uh Powell might be able to keep up with it. It might be him, but, but I don't know. He is he jumping or not. He is kind of a bully. So, <laughs> so, 
So, and then you've got Orlando that next week who really has kind of come out of nowhere in my eyes. Orlando right now is really looking great. And uh, it's it's just, I was super optimistic going into last week. And this week I'm looking at it going, fuck, man. Like they could be coming out of this one and two again. And then we're really talking about how you're, you've got this deep hole that you got to dig yourself out of. And really not a whole lot of time. I mean, you're playing 37 games. I still I think that my prediction for 26 and 11 is gone out the window and I think that the Mavs right now are going to be fighting it, it's it if they can come out and win these next three games this week I don't think it's as I don't think it's going to be quite time to push the panic button yet and I don't even if they come out and they go oh and three this week it's not quite time to push the panic button just yet right but your margin but, of but, error is but, shrinking but I think that the thought of claiming a top four seed in the West is gone if you come out this week and just and, and lose all three games, then you're then you're just trying to fight to just make it to the playoffs at all. And I think that the Mavs still could because they're doing that kind of play in round like what the NHL did last year. And I think that the Mavs can at least make that. I mean, if they don't, then my goodness. There's no way Seth Curry was this important to the team. I promise you Porzingis is, but here's hoping that Porzingis, I'm thinking, might be coming back this week. Full participation in practice, full contact, everything. So here's hoping. Can the, This is one of those weeks that, I mean, I hate to say this, but can the Mavs go 3-0 this week? Yes. Can they go 0-3 this week? I mean, they've shown that they can. So, I, like, they really need to have a good week this week. And so, really, watching these games is very, very pivotal, uh, or is very big for this. And uh, these, this is a very pivotal week in the NBA season for them, and they got to come out, and they've got to really put on a good performance against – a Houston team that they should beat tonight, a trap team in Denver, and then a really good Orlando team. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and that's that's why I'm saying that maybe against Denver, did you sit on your nuts? Yes, I did. <sighs> against Denver, I think would be a perfect time for Porzingis to come back. Oh yeah, and here's uh, and so here's hoping for that, but we'll, like we'll just have to wait and see. Is that all you have to say about the Mavs? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just. I'd say watch this week. This might be the last like meaningful week of basketball, because <laughs> I mean, if it goes, yeah, if, if it goes, if, if it goes, if, if it goes south, too off the rails. Yeah, then. If, it, if it goes south, then it's just gonna look like that. Maybe just sit Porzingis. I don't know. I'm not saying that they do that, nor should they. They can't have him sit out that long, but maybe not rush him back into playing so soon if they can't win. If they if they if they dig themselves into this deep of a hole, maybe they'll probably wait to start Porzingis until later on in the season, who knows. Maybe that's another reason why they're not announcing anything. They want to see how how many games they can win without him yeah. just to see if it's worthy to bring him in or if it's just worth to just kind of say, "Hey, we don't want to rush him, we want to keep you around for a while." Yeah. So, we'll see. Yes, that's it. Do you have anything to add? No, sir. <sighs> Do we have to talk about the Cowboys? No. But we will. Yeah. The good news is this is the last week of football that we have to kind of torment ourselves through. <laughs> at this point, it is funny. I mean, at this point, it's it's funny. Dude, it, every, every week, every week. It was the opposite of what we wanted to have. Yep, I know. We should have just... Week, we, yep, we... We should have just kept coming out here just being like, yeah, lose this game. Lose it. Like, who gives a fuck? But at this point, like, it would have just been stupid to not go out. Because, like, if you're going to go out on a three-game winning streak, 
trying to play competitively for a division, yeah, for a division title, then go get it. Like that's, I mean, and they they couldn't. That's the that's the thing that makes the NFC East so look so bad, is no none of these teams were tanking. Every all four of the teams were like, no, we want to we want that playoff spot and trying. And it was just like, Jesus Christ. And so now a team with no name. Literally no name. Has, well, not literally. They're called the football team. Figuratively no name. Yeah. Has won this division. Weird. Yikes. What a 2020 thing, though. I, just, I know we keep now, saying now that, hum- but. Now I'm, dude, now I'm cheering for them to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I know it. I know it's I'll not be, like the I'll, Stanley I'll, Cup where they get their name, <laughs> their name inscribed. Oh but, man, dude! But that would be that would. I I would love to see that for Alex Smith. I yeah. just uh, yeah, I think that that's a, yeah that, that that'd Alex be like Smith a really good and real for, good story. And for at any other team that's like that's name is a little on the iffy side, you know, like hey, look at look at what Washington did. They changed it immediately won a championship i think all the teams that should change their name have done it i think everyone else is fine the cleveland indians no they they've agreed that they're gonna drop it after this year yes but i'm i know i'm just saying yeah, yeah okay okay so yeah they've agreed and but then maybe, the, maybe atlanta is sitting there looking at it see going, the Braves. I don't, that doesn't I, bother I know me. i know it doesn't bother me neither do, neither does the chicago blackhawks but, i don't but, i don't know i don't know who it bothers i'm just i'm just saying maybe they're looking at it going hmm, well you know I don't know. I'm just, I was just throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm just talking out of my ass. So, anyway, the Cowboys. Let's let's I'm let's just, go ahead. Like, really, I'm just trying to distract from the Cowboys. Let's just go ahead and just kind of address the elephant in the room. Do you challenge that catch that puts the Giants in field goal range? Yes. I ch- think I about ch- it this way: He challenged Des Bryant's catch, but not that one. Not that one. No, I know. And see, here's the thing. I think if you challenge that, I still think you lose it. I think it's a catch. I think, uh, I think he caught it. I think they didn't have enough to overturn it. But see, but that's one of those things where you're looking at it going, okay, are we really going to get down to like the millimeter here right, of like I'm, whether or not? Right, that's what I'm saying. But what, uh, But any Cowboys fan will tell you it wasn't a catch. Any New York Giants fan will tell you it is a catch. What would anyone else say? I think anyone else looking at it, it says it says well, you don't have enough to overturn. Well, it. I still think that it, even even that, not necessarily just saying that. I do think that the call would have stood. I don't think it would have been confirmed. But I still also think that you look at that and go, "Come on, guys! Like, let's not let's not just beat this dead horse here. That's a catch." Anyone else that looks at that that has no dog in the fight looks at it and goes, "Dude, you got to call that a catch." But yes, you do challenge it first of all because that ices the kicker for at least. Who knows how long they would have looked at that fucking thing? Maybe right. three, and, four minutes. And and like I said, you challenged like because the Des Bryant catch looked more like a catch to me. That one, see, that the, one I think is is was like cut and dry. I I still don't know how they overturned that. But but McCarthy challenged that one. Well, and see, it was unusual. Everyone wants to sit there and use that as an example. Not just you, but any article that yeah, I've read yeah. or any Cowboys fan to whom yeah. I have talked yeah. has said like, oh, well, he challenged that. How come he doesn't do this one? A but little that, known that fact. That was unusual for him to have challenged un- that. U- yeah. Yes. A, a little unknown fact. That was the only challenge Mike McCarthy won all season that year. Every single challenge flag that he threw, he lost them all. That's what made it unusual that he looked at that and said, yeah, sure. 
Like, let's just challenge it. Who gives a fuck? Well, he, he, that's probably why he ended up challenging it, because he was like, I lose all these fucking things anyway. Fuck it. Try it. Yeah, and so I don't get it, man. I don't I don't know what Mike McCarthy was thinking or wasn't thinking or whatever, man, because it, it, it's mm-hmm. it, that's one of those things that whether you win it or lose it or not, that gives that kicker some time to kind of just stand there and twiddle his thumbs for about three or four minutes, because you know that they would be, like, zooming in and, like, trying to figure out absolutely ridiculous they need to go back to wherever you have a minute and if you can't overturn it in a minute then the call fucking stands yeah if if, any longer than that then you're then you're gonna overthink it and you're gonna fuck over somebody yeah so but anyway you know that they would have looked at that thing forever just to make sure because they knew how big of a moment it was and all this stuff so i still think that the call would have stood but yes you have to challenge that i don't know what he's thinking um there was a what was the there was another one that I wanted to ask. I know that we. Oh, do you go for two? Do you go for two right there whenever to whenever you're uh, whenever it's twenty to fifteen? Do you go for two and try and make it? Because then hindsight being the twenty twenty that it is, mm-hmm. the Cowboys wouldn't have to have scored a touchdown on that last play, and all they'd have to do is kick a field goal. And they were well within field goal range. So I, even looking back on it. I still, I'm looking at that going. I, I go for two because yeah. what's the what's the difference if That's, you're down yeah. four, or if you're down five? Yeah, there's no difference being down four or down five, but there is a huge difference between between being down three and down four. So yeah, I yeah. Think, I think I go for that. Yeah, so I don't I don't get that call, and then it ended up once again, Mike McCarthy either taking the risks that he shouldn't have taken, or not taking. No, hold on. Taking the risk that he should not have taken, yeah, and, then and then not taking not the taking the risk that, that he, he should have, have taken. Yeah. Like that was just that's that's what Mike McCarthy did all year long, and I don't get it. Preaching to the choir. I just I don't get it, and I want to know. I want to know if I want to know. <laughs> nice. Uh, I want to know <laughs> if the fact that it was Andy Dalton. And not Dak Prescott under center is what kind of fucked with his head uh, a little so, bit. Probably this whole season, whenever it came down to whether he should or shouldn't take risks, and that's a sign of a like like to me, I think that that is a that is a sign of an insecure coach mm-hmm. because it shouldn't matter who's at quarterback. Okay, it it matters. It matters, but but, it, but in those moments when it's like we need this, yes, then it then it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter because you have to look at your player and say I. Maybe you can make it, maybe you can't. We need you to make it. We need you to go be great. Yeah, you can't. Whenever it comes to calls like that, I don't understand how you let... And this is just purely speculation. I can't tell you, but I mean, from all, from everything that we saw and the sample size that we had this year, I, I don't see how you can't look at that and say, if that was Dak Prescott, I bet you he goes for it. Yeah, yeah. Or he doesn't go for it. Or what if he plays smarter... Or if he coaches smarter because he's got a better player out there on the field quarterbacking his team, and so I, 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 th- I, I really do think that this year, as soon as Dak Prescott went down, Mike McCarthy went into, I'm not gonna say mail it in mode, but it was very vanilla after that. It see, was if it's mail in mode, then then tank. Yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. I but see, but, but he didn't though. I like, know, what is I he know, doing? I know, but th- I know what I'm saying is he fucked up on tanking. <laughs> What I'm saying is, like, it would be understandable if it was like, no, fuck it, we're not changing anything, 
We're going to continue to be aggressive. And if it comes back to bite us in the ass, it comes back to bite us in the ass. But, you know, it's, I'm going to put trust in my players. I'm going to put trust that my, my game plan is good enough with even Andy Dalton to win. As long as we're staying aggressive and doing the things that we need to do, we're going to be put in situations of, you're, you're always going to be put in situations where you need players to go be great. It doesn't, it, it happens every year for every coach and the coaches that can look at those players and say, I need you to be great for one play and inspire the player. Who's not great to go be great for one play. We crawl for that inch. We fight for that inch. Those are the coaches who win those games. I, those are the coaches who win those games. I mean, and dude, and, look, and Mike McCarthy did not do that at all this year. No, and I'm not saying he's not that coach. But I'm saying he decided at some point to not be that coach this season. Dude, I'm telling you, I don't think that he ever has been that coach because we were very critical whenever this podcast first started about the hiring process. Yeah. Or not the hiring process, but the 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 hiring, the decision to hire Mike McCarthy. And really, I know... It shows you that the person making those aggressive calls and saying no, like, we're not necessarily saying no, we're going to go for it and forcing the coach to do it, but like... The person going out there and saying, I need to go be great right now and inspiring himself and going and doing it was Aaron Rodgers. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like you you look at like everything that Aaron Rodgers had to deal with and all of the the shit, the allegations that have come out from former players that talked about Aaron Rodgers saying that he was a pompous ass. His fucking, fucking scoreboard, his fucking family and all the shit that they said about him uh scoreboard dude this, look at him now this season mike mccarthy going to the cowboys i guarantee you he went into this job thinking this is going to be my driving by aaron Rodgers' house with my middle finger play blasting uh i don't know i ain't thinking about you at all and and flipping <laughs> off the house and laying on the horn going meh, meh, fuck you and that's not what happened what happened was mike mccarthy went to dallas and somehow proved that Aaron Rodgers, like Mike McCarthy going to Dallas did more for Aaron Rodgers' legacy than Aaron Rodgers did this year. <laughs> and he threw more touchdowns than Packers punted. So, you know, like. <laughs> and see, and it was so great. It was so great seeing Aaron Rodgers, like whenever he threw that long touchdown pass to uh, Valdez Scandling, uh, running over to the sidelines. And you know how like players like to jump up and like hit their shoulders into each other. Not like the way that, uh, what's his name? Dislocated his Chris shoulder. Bryant. Yeah. Not, no, not Chris Bryant. Who's the uh, guy? not Chris Bryant. Um, uh, Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Not, not that way, but they just like jump up and they hit shoulders side to side. He yeah. did that with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And you just didn't, you don't that. see that with Mike never, McCarthy. So you never. got to look at it and say, dude, Mike McCarthy was the fucking problem there. Yeah. And it, it like the, the and 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 now the Cowboys are stuck with him. Uh, they, they are because Jerry Jones is so fucking prideful. He never he never it, he should have fired Jason Garrett fucking years ago. But he was confident and he said, "This is my choice. This is my coach, and he's gonna ride that ship all the way down to the very bitter end." And this is gonna be the same fucking thing. I, I like we can look at it next year and the Cowboys can go eight and eight and maybe get a wild card spot and get bounced in the first round next year. Jerry Jones is a happy man. 
That's yeah. all. Like, and 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 Mike McCarthy can come in and do that. And yeah. you know what? The Cowboys Especially were relevant this, this year. The Cowboys were relevant this year because at the very last game of the season, they were in a playoff hunt. And that's all an owner cares about. And that's all an owner should care about. But not a general manager. Yeah. Not the and I know that Stephen Jones is the one that's calling it, but you know that Daddy's pulling the strings yeah. uh, behind closed doors when, and stuff like that. When Daddy signs your checks, yep, Daddy's making the calls. Yep. So I mean, and here's another question too, like Mike McCarthy aside, and this is not me talking about an old coach that sh- once again, who, Mike McCarthy should have been fired in Green Bay three, four years ago before he was, very much just like Jason Garrett. And Packers fans were calling for his head, being like, why do we still have this man? Yeah, No more. And so he stayed longer, and this is just like a perfect marriage. So this has nothing to do with uh, – this is me purely talking through the lenses of, the, of, of, of a Cowboys fan. Yeah, Jerry Jerry Jones and not the, not a, not a Packers fan. That's yeah. that's going to be a different podcast. Jerry Jones and the uh, Longhorns boosters need to get together <laughs> and find a middle ground because <laughs> it's just crazy. This, this three and done or ride ride and die shit. Both of them are. It's got to go. It's fucking insane. <laughs> okay, and so here's another question. Anyway, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. Moving on. Kind of talking about the players here. Yeah. Because we're not going to do, like what we did with the Stars, the only reason why we did a bonus episode on that was because they, had the playoff of, because they had the playoff run and it was a memorable season. Yeah. We're not going to do that for the Cowboys. Like We're not going to do that at the end of every season for every team because we didn't do it for the Rangers either. No. It's just, it's just, just don't expect that if anyone is just, this is us kind of recapping everything. Yeah. And, and just, just real quick before you go into it. Yeah. The reason part of the, like I talked about last week, uh, why, uh, like what I had the idea for the drunken fan, you know, with, with my buddy from New York, like part of the reason why I felt that way and had that idea was, was, uh, because of the Cowboys, because my my Navy buddies, every time I would meet somebody, they'd be like, oh, you're from Texas? You're a Cowboys fan? I'm like, yeah. They're like, I hate the Cowboys. I'd be like, no, no, stop. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not as much as I do. You don't hate them as much as Cowboys fans do. Really? 25 years? No Super Bowls? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, nobody's more pissed off at the Cowboys than I am right now. That was Eight years ago, and it's still true. And it's just—I'm telling you—the worst thing that could have happened for the Cowboys were those Super Bowls in the '90s. Because that's just because anytime anyone's ever critical of Jerry Jones, he just got that and pulls that right out of his back pocket. I have heard an interview before where they allowed a fan to call in and talk to Jerry Jones while he was on the phone. And all, anytime the fan was trying to like push back on Jerry Jones, and the, of course the fan was being just as unruly as Jerry Jones was. The fan wasn't being there like, well, sir, if you look at the whatever. No, it's like they, they were both just like two roosters clucking at each other in a cockfight, you know, and it just was not. But anytime this guy ever brought out like a good point of how Jerry Jones was not being a good owner and general manager, Jerry Jones would say, how did you like those Super Bowls in the 90s? I didn't hear you complaining then whenever we were winning all the time. It's like, dude, get yeah. to, get your head out of your own ass, man. Yeah, okay. Well, then fine. Bring back Jimmy Johnson. And while you're at it, hire a GM. Well, and see, you want to know why? Like, this is another thing is that he always – this is why Jason Garrett gets his extensions and he brings in coaches like Mike McCarthy because they're going to sit there and they're going to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, mm-hmm. yes, sir, we'll do it. Jimmy Johnson will look at you and go – Fuck you! Like this, this was my team. This was my baby, and 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 the media was saying it too. And yeah, and, and Jerry Jones can't have that. 
And well, that's the that's the messed up part about that whole situation is they were friends. They were college buddies. They yeah. both went to Arkansas together and they played, played football. They yeah, played but, Arkansas football I know. together. I know. And, and so And they were buds. And that's how Jimmy Johnson got the job in the first place. And it was like fantastic. This is awesome. And then nope, Jerry Jones has to Jerry Jones. So knowing what we know now, I think that the biggest turning point in this season was that Atlanta Atlanta Falcons game. Uh, you beat that team just barely, and the way that you had to beat them. Oh, and we thought Atlanta was going to be good. Yeah, and we see, that's Atlanta that's what I'm saying. Like knowing what we were. know now and how bad Atlanta is, this how bad Atlanta was this year, and you just barely beat that team. The, and that's with Dak Prescott too. That's that that's one of those things where you look back on it and say this was the moment where it was really bad. And then, uh, and then uh, once they lose to the Cardinals. As well, that 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 thirty-eight to ten blowout. This was whenever it was like, okay, this is Andy Dalton's moment to kind of show if he can really take over. It's a prime time game. Is this going to be Andy Dalton's team? And nope, nothing. So my question here is: Is do you think Andy Dalton gets a contract next year with someone? Because the, this Not little as a this little three game winning streak that they had, he kind of really showed that he can come out and play. And I also think that if you look at this last game against New York, that no what no one is talking about was Ceedee Lamb's drop the play before. Yeah, no one is talking about that. Everyone wants to say, look at the dead duck that Andy Dalton threw up, and 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 was it a horrible pass? Of course it was. But Ceedee Lamb catches that. He might be going into the end zone, and we're not even having this conversation. At the very worst, the Cowboys have a it's it's a third and goal that's an actual goal stand, and the play calling is a lot more open. You don't have a whole lot of plays for yeah. goal and. 20 something or wherever they were yeah but the this is also nobody's talking about the cd lamb drop because it's a rookie mistake by a rookie you want to point i, I want to point out the fact that andy dalton you put the number 88 had, on him though i know i know i know but he is a rookie and he had flashes of greatness or gradiateness Oh, never again. <laughs> never again. But people are you want to people want to talk about Andy Dalton and I think fairly criticize Andy Dalton because what what did I say last week? The the knock on him is that he always 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 trails off towards the end of the season and can't perform in the playoffs. And when he had the three game win streak and we're thinking maybe he's going to turn it around. Maybe he's going to take that step and actually show that he can still do it and oh ah. Oh. Because see, oh. he only had that one interception. He could have easily had three. Yeah, there were there were there were yes. two other plays where it was like thrown at the Giants' defensive back. Yeah, and they just dropped it. Yeah. So I mean, and I understand that. I really do. I'm just saying, if you want to talk about like a complete here, like it doesn't matter if Dak Prescott's mm-hmm. throwing that ball yeah. to CD no, Lamb. No, like I he's, know. I know. I'm just I, in, and it's. I'm not trying to take away from CD Lamb. Should have caught that ball. He should have. Like, 99% of the time, he's shown that he will catch that ball. But, you know, you you want you have a veteran quarterback that you expect to put you in the best situation possible. I, I get that he's a backup, but, you know, it's not... It's not like it's John Kitna out there, you know? Like, going into the season, 
people legitimately said the Cowboys have the best backup in the NFL. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. Yeah, it's real easy to say that until you actually get the product. And I mean, and wrong because we know now. Yeah. But at the time, I would have probably been saying the same thing. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. Because Andy Dalton still had a lot left to prove, and yeah. he got his chance. And yeah, I don't think he gets a... I think he'll probably stay in Dallas and maybe get like another year or two. Maybe just one. I don't know. I don't know, I, it man. Depends, it depends on what he wants to do. I think I think he, if he wants to continue and and have the, be Colt McCoy for the next five, six years. Excuse me. Yeah, and, I think New York be, has the best backup. The Giants and, probably have the best backup in the league now. Career backup. Uh, then, then, yeah, I think he goes somewhere else. Uh, but if he wants to have another two or three years of an NFL paycheck and stay at home and see his family a lot more and then retire and who knows, maybe go coach quarterbacks or something at TCU and stay in his hometown, then yeah, I, th- I think I think that's the only scenario where I can see him staying with the Cowboys. And I don't, th- I I really don't think the Cowboys will. I don't think the Cowboys will give him a deal, and I don't think any other. I don't think he wants to move again, just to be. A, so I think Andy Dalton's probably done. I think he's done. I don't think. I don't think any deal that he's going to get is going to be sexy enough for him to. I think that's the most likely. Want to move out of the Dallas Fort Worth area, where he, as you just said already, where he is from and where he grew up and went to college and went to college so yeah i th- i think andy dalton's not going to get a deal that's going to satisfy him and i think he's going to hang it up i think he's done i i honestly like the the more that i was talking the more that i'm pretty sure in the next couple of years we're going to see him on the sidelines at tcu and good for him yeah I, yeah i think he's i think he, he's earned that yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Think, yeah oh, i think yeah. it'll be fine i think he'll be happy and he'll go out and i don't th- I, I think he'll go out with his held, head held high oh yeah and, well, like he like and he, can you can you think of a better coach for him to learn under yeah i know i mean you yeah know? definitely I, I mean, mean well yeah you can it's nick saban or bill belichick but but, yeah, still. but i mean but yeah but still <laughs> it's a good situation yeah, I mean, it, not his best year here, but uh, 200 and, no, whoa, 2,169 yards, 14 TDs, 8 interceptions for an eight, 87.3%, which, I mean, was better than his last year at Cincinnati, yeah. not numbers-wise, but rating-wise. Rating-wise, So, yeah. I mean, th- this is one of those things where I think but, Andy Dalton threw his last punch and it just didn't land. Mm-hmm. But I think people are going to respect him for it. I don't think he's going to go out and people are going to look at him and be like, what a fucking joke. People are going to look at him and be like, yeah, Andy Dalton was fine for what he was. And yeah. he really did have some good Cincinnati teams. He yeah. just never could just get over that 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 hump of just being truly mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Even being like really good, I think you look at Andy Dalton whenever he was in his prime, and he you just kind of just say, yeah, I mean he was he was fine. He had a good team he, around him. He also had has had the uh, not the what's what it's the opposite of a benefit. Um, he had the detriment. Uh, anyway, he had, he had the hurdle of overcoming bad coaching in Cincinnati. <sighs> yeah, like really really bad coaching. And I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Bad coaching in Dallas now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and it's so funny because after that Atlanta game, I was sitting there saying, this this, just, you, this yeah. justified the... And you know what? I think that that's still true because I still think Jason Garrett loses that game. Yeah. But I think if Mike McCarthy has Andy Dalton at quarterback, 
in that Atlanta game, I think they lose that game. Oh well, yeah. Of yeah. So I mean, it's just one of those things where you look at it and just say, I I don't I still don't think I was wrong in saying that whenever I said it, because uh, here's, yeah yeah that's McCarthy, still that's still a loss in any other situation. But the here, but the key the key ingredient there is Dak Prescott. Here's the thing though, Mike McCarthy is still a clear upgrade from Jason Garrett. He is still a clear upgrade from Jason Garrett. You cannot convince me otherwise. The only thing, the only reason I would have loved to have had Jason Garrett this year is I guarantee they <laughs> he would have he would have, he would have committed to the tank four and twelve max. Yeah, why? Because we saw it like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and see that, but see that's one of those things where you have to once again taking a risk whenever you shouldn't and. Not taking a risk whenever you should have. It's it's you you give Andy Dalton his chance. At least at, it at looks least Jason fine. Garrett's going to be right fifty percent of the time by not taking a risk at all ever. Yeah, I know. And see, and it's just <laughs> it's just Mike McCarthy. He needed to pull. He after the after the Baltimore Ravens game, he needed to pull Andy Dalton and say, "Sorry, we appreciate you're trying to do this, and we respect that you're trying to get another." Uh, like another job here, but it's not working out. We've got to look after the future of this franchise. Yeah. And you've got to start playing your backups, your mm-hmm. backups, backups. You can't just keep having someone go out there that wants to look great. Yeah. Like it's just, and then just all you do is you just turn around, you just give it to Zeke. Just yeah. have him turn around, give it to Zeke, see if Zeke can maybe salvage some something out of this season. Maybe get him a Pro Bowl or some shit. Yeah, but it, but try to get him two thousand yards. Yeah, something, anything. I mean, that would have been a stretch, I think, because I think a lot of people would have known as soon as you pull Andy Dalton. It's like now there's really no threat at quarterback. Just fucking blitz. Yeah, that's true. But still, like I, you after that Ravens game, you had to commit to the rebuild, and and he didn't. It's one of those things where like that's a risk. Losing and tanking is a risk because you know you're going to get flack from a lot of people for it. But still, that's a risk that's going to be worth the benefit to the future yes. of this franchise. It's so much less risky in the NFL to tank. It is so much less risky. So, I mean, yeah, I think Andy Dalton's done. Um, if you want to take one positive out of this game, imagine what Dak Prescott's going to do with Dalton Schultz. Man, he really, like, out of all of the darkness that was this last game, you had that that brief brief glimmer of light there that just kind of flashed for a second, and that's Dalton Schultz. That man, he made good catches but he also made great moves after the catch like he he was he was dodging receivers and you don't really see a whole lot of tight ends shades shades of Jason Witten dude i'm telling you uh, yeah he's like what they hoped Jason Witten would be whenever they brought him back yeah but then they they brought Jason Witten back it was like you're just as bad now as you were whenever you were in the announce booth man like <laughs> go to Oakland and, and or not Oakland anymore but go to Vegas and yeah. Have fun there, I guess. But like, oh, nope. that's right. This is why we let you walk in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> it's it. So I mean, Dalton Schultz, man, him, Prescott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott. Whenever the there's actually a pass threat, I think that T- this Tony Pollard, dude. Yeah, Tony Pollard. That's a good one-two punch, man. Like it, like that, like with Dak Prescott at the helm here. They've really got to make sure that they invest in their defense. Yes. They really they need to go really, do something. Really you know? need to get help in the secondary. And I know that I've already talked about this, but I, but I like they the Cowboys had haha Clinton Dix on their uh, like like they invited him to training camp and they cut him, and he's just been a free agent all year. They need to, I would give him another chance because there's no way that he can be any worse. 
It just depends on what he looks like and everything. But I'm serious. No one else has given Ha Ha Clinton Dix a look. I really think that the Cowboys should. I really think the Cowboys need to go get him just so that way they can at least have someone that has played in an NFC championship game in the last five years and someone that can really kind of be this young veteran presence that can that that can really help this secondary. Like he doesn't have to come in and be a world beater, but you you bring him in here to kind of see if he can sign him to a one-year deal, see what he can do. And if he does great. Good. That's a good extension for you that you can easily make. And if not, at least you get this veteran presence around. So I would just say, I know that he's been sitting around. He hasn't played at all this year. This year's kind of an anomaly. I think you can kind of look at it and say, like, did yes, people played, but did they really play this year? I think that we can yeah. all kind of look past that. So I would say this offseason, go get HaHa ha Clinton Dix. Draft a young, draft a young cornerback. Yeah. I don't know where yet, and we'll Sertan. get. We'll, yeah, we'll get. It, the, I looked Zolt, it up. Zoltan. Yeah, I looked it up. They're tenth. Tenth. Yep, okay. Tenth. Ah, oh, that's still just what could have been, man. The 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 drop off from the top of top five pick to tenth uh, top ten pick, uh, the drop off of the potential that you that you have is uh, pretty drastic. But this year's draft is going to be quarterback heavy. Yep. Which and, means yeah. that the defensive positions are going to all drop down a little bit so that gives you a little bit of hope uh, as a Cowboys fan you might be getting like a Patrick Sertan who's probably going to be the best cornerback in the draft if he if he announces if he uh you know if he if he commits to go into the draft yeah let me let me just make sure that I'm not like losing my mind and saying that a freshman is about to get drafted (laughs) yeah but but still there's going to be options available and I think you get Dak Prescott back Next year, this offense and the front, the defensive front really kind of showed how great they can be. And hopefully next year we get some kind of spring tra- spring training. We get some preseason games and and like a training camp and stuff and maybe the, get the team going a little bit. And maybe the, the, off, the defensive front can kind of come out and play like they've been playing these last few games. Yeah. He, okay, so Sertan is a junior, so he's going to be eligible to enter the draft if, the, if he wants to. And he plays playing for Alabama. Right now, so if they win the national title, I bet you he enters into the draft, and he's probably the best cornerback of, that's going to be available. So that's that's what I would do if it was yeah. me. That's what I would do because your offensive line is going to be healthy again next year. Yeah. No sense. I don't think that you draft that high for an offense. I know that they did with Zach Martin, and it worked out. But the Cowboys needed that offensive lineman. I think that right now, what they need are better backups. Yeah, but I, there's no way you're going to be this injury riddled next year. Knock on wood. Like, but it's I'm telling you, every offensive lineman, every single one of them got hurt. Do one, maybe two. I mean, the Packers are dealing with that right now too, uh, and every team in the league is dealing with hurt offensive linemen. Like, it just happens. But teams can still win with their backup offensive linemen. So you need to maybe upgrade the backups a little bit. But you're not going to put a top ten pick on that. Right. Not on a backup offensive lineman. So I would say go get some rookie cornerback, sign Ha Ha Clinton Dix, see where this team can really go next year with 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 those two guys really kind of coming in trying to make a trying to make a difference. And who knows? This team is really I think this team is really set up to be really good in the future. It's just gonna it's just gonna depend on where they go with the draft and everything. It just could have been better. Yeah. But 
We'll see. But all that being said, thank God this season is finally over. It <laughs> yeah. was it was entertaining in good ways and bad ways, from terrible fake punts to three-game winning streaks whenever they shouldn't be and dramatic comebacks and everything. It just it really had everything that you could have needed, just not not the end result that you wanted. No. So Godspeed 2020 Cowboys and thank God that you're gone because <laughs> I'm tired of talking about you. So uh, yes, I'm tired of it too. Next season, here we go. It'll uh, I think it'll be great. So it, just as long as Dak Prescott doesn't get hurt again. So thank God that injury wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was going to be. It looked like it, man. I know. Oh, oh I know. man, that looked bad. I know. We don't need to relive that. I'm just saying, thank God. Anyway, so you want to you want to finally lay this to bed and move on? Yes, sir. Let's go to Big 12 basketball. All right. So once again, my game of the week and the actual game of the week were two different games, which I mean, yeah, it's it's going to happen. And I guarantee it's going to happen this week, too, because I had no idea what to pick for a game of the week because they were all so lopsided. So but Last week, my game of the week was Texas versus Kansas, which 10, 10 seed Texas versus number three, Kansas, and Kansas no, was looking... not it. Kansas. See, and it follows even to basketball, and it's great. Um, so the keys to the game there that I had written down, you had to uh, you had to limit the offensive rebounds from Kansas, and you've got to control their three points, their three-point shooting. I mean, th- that's exactly what they did. Uh, Three-point field goals. It was Texas went 12 for 26, but the craziest stat of it was is they made their first seven three-pointers of the second half. Like, they just came out and just could not miss. It was just crazy watching them because I was watching the game and because I had already known the ending, So I, but I was going back and re-watching it, and I was, I was watching the first half going, I mean, Kansas is keeping up. Like, no one's really playing great right now, but Texas is just kind of distancing themselves a little bit. Uh-huh. When does it turn on? Yeah. Because I knew no, it was I coming. I, was wa- I didn't actually watch the game. I was watching the updates, and I was like, like all right, you know. Kansas will catch up though. They're like they're they're hanging around, and then they're gonna catch up, and then it's gonna be like oh, I got my hopes up, and then and then I was like, oh, there there it was that second digit, dude. Second I know going into the half, I was like, oh, I don't know, I, dude. I'm telling you, and it was it, it was it was all of those three pointers that Texas was making, and it they were doing such a good job at defending the perimeter against Kansas. Kansas went three for twenty three. Behind the arc, and Jalen Wilson had two of them, and uh, and uh, and Abaji had the other one, who Abaji once again did not have a great game at all. So Texas, really everyone did, and I think that the reason why is I think that Texas really learned how Texas Tech played them really well, and they because here was the problem with Tech, they were playing man to man defense in the first half and switching on screens. And Texas Tech really controlled that game until they switched to, to, to zone. a zone. And then Kansas just kept making threes and making threes. And I'm just sitting here going, what are you doing? That's the, that's the problem with the zone defense in basketball. This is part of basketball fundamentals that I actually do know, <laughs> is that it, it it helps you control driving the lane. But if they're just going sit, to sit back and drain threes, then you're going, oh, hey, look at that. Oh, okay, well. 
hey, at least I was in position to stop a drive. Yeah, and so uh, Texas, all game long, kept switching. They just kept playing man-to-man the whole game and kept switching, and I think that that's going to be the blueprint now of beating this Kansas team is you've just really got to limit uh, Ojai Abaji and Jalen Wilson, really isolate them. And everyone else, you can just kind of just switch on your screens here. Just make sure that there's not a mismatch down low. Yeah. And and it's one of the like it was it, it's really it's one of those things where basketball is complicated but yet simple. So simple. And that's one of those simple things it's that you look si- at it. And, simple goal, complicated techniques. One person that I mean, I kept talking about like Matt Coleman and uh, Brown and all these guys, dude. Jericho Sims, that guy is a monster, man. Here's and and this is why I kind of overlooked him. Here was here are his season percentages here: six point six points per game, six point seven rebounds per game, and a fifty one point three percent field goal percentage so respectful i mean and it's good to see that his points and his rebounds kind of average yeah but i mean look what he did he shot 83.3 percent from the field and 11 points 12 rebounds like he everyone that was coming into the lane there was not going to score on him and every ball that came his way just he just had a natural way to just gravitate towards it and get that rebound and he really played like a really good big man yeah. and watch him to continue to like after, especially after this game Jericho Sims I raised Jericho around me you know he uh yes sir he's, he yeah I knew you'd like that one uh look for him to really get a lot more looks and a lot more significant playing time because he is a starter and he plays a lot all the time anyway but I just think that this game is going to be that one that's going to really just skyrocket his confidence and just see where he goes from here. So that Kansas destroy or uh, Texas destroyed Kansas, beat him by 25, as mentioned earlier in the trivia question, which matches their season high or their, their uh, program high in beating Kansas ever. So this is just like super significant historically and against a really good Kansas team because the only other team that had beaten Kansas – was Gonzaga. Yeah. And I, well, that's crazy that yeah. you get, like, no one else can say that right now. So fucking Shaka Smart, dude. Keep growing your hair. Uh, Which, dude. by the way, fuck you, Shaka Smart. Like, you were bald by choice. That's like that's like that's like having a good set of legs and just rolling around in a wheelchair for the hell of it. Like for, for those of you who don't know, I am bald. Cameron is bald. I am bald and not by choice. It was just how dare he? How dare he? But I say keep growing that hair, man. Yeah, I mean, and it, that's not just out of jealousy. That's out of, uh, hey, this is a good basketball team. You don't fuck with a streak. Nope, not at all. So, Thank dude, you, Bull Durham. Good on Texas. AP rankings came out. They're number four in the nation. The, only, te- the only teams that are above them, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Villanova. And that's the only other team that has beaten Texas is uh is villanova yep. and i and i was talking about how oh it's not gonna be a big deal villanova is just gonna be kind of one of those teams that's gonna trail off at the end of the year well i mean it's not the end of the year no like, i know i know still but still early, but. it's still man like that's that's like a solid group right there i mean gonzaga and baylor hands down astronomically better better than everyone else like it's just not even fair yeah but villanova texas right there Getting up there, it's uh, one I of mean, those things. I mean, if this was a Final Four, 
I would, lo- oh man, I would love to see that final four. I would love it. Yeah. Cause that would be Texas Gonzaga. Well, it's, it's not Baylor, like a college foot. It's not a college football thing. It's just going to depend on who's going to be the number one in the East, number one in the West. Oh, and the yeah, Midwest. Okay, that's gotcha, how, that's gotcha, how the NCAA does it. Gotcha. So all the number ones would have to make it to the final four, but I don't think, but Texas would be a number two. No, nope, Yeah. Texas would out of the, I mean, they'd not have necess- to beat Baylor to get to the final four, wouldn't they? Possibly. It's whenever they say the Midwest region, it's not like it's just like the Midwest. It's just that's where the that tournament is being played. Does that make sense? Yeah, but so there is a chance. But, there is a chance that Baylor and Texas can be in two completely separate ba- brackets. Waco, Waco and Austin are so close. No, though. but see, but it's it's not like geographical location of the school. It's geographical location of the tournament. Oh, okay. does that make sense? So, so they just would wind up randomly on like kind of how like. The Rangers in the are in the AL West, and the Cowboys are in the NFC East. Kind, kind of, of that it's, kind of thing. Not, no, not but really. I mean, it's, I mean uh, but I'm, I'm just saying where it's like it's not so much based on the not really geographical because, location. It's so much so much as it's based on the needs of that particular uh, uh, league. Yeah, and because I mean, if that's the case, then it would be like a Big Twelve tournament versus a Pac twelve tournament, and that and they they already do that before the tournament yeah, okay. anyway. So okay, it's just. Gotcha. It just depends on the selection committee and where they put everyone. So gotcha. it could be like number one Baylor, number two Texas in the same bracket, but it could be like a number one Baylor and then like a number three Texas in a different one. Like it just depends. Like your rankings also don't bear, gotcha. like it, it's not always one, two, three, and four are the number one seeds. It just really depends. And that's why they're, that's why selection Sunday is so much fun, but then it's also shrouded in controversy where people are like, oh, this team deserved to be number one in this one. How did they get number two? And it's just, it's a whole thing, but it's so much fun. Gotcha. So, yeah, uh, my game of the week, the actual game of the week was Texas Tech versus Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State ends up winning this game in overtime. And it really was the tale of two halves there because. Texas Tech played a lot better in the second half. Oklahoma State was looking like, I wouldn't say that they were running away from it, with it, but they definitely had all the momentum going into the, going into the locker room at the end of the first half. And then all throughout the second half, Tech played better. They crawled back into the game, but they got really sloppy there late in the second half, especially in overtime. And Matt McC- Mac McClung, he really he was the leading scorer for Texas Tech in this game, uh, but the problem was is that he was the one that was getting sloppy, and he there were some passes that I was watching him throw, and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like you gotta you gotta play better than that, and I, that's why I think Oklahoma State is kind of like this unsung, under the radar team right now. Whenever it comes to the Big Twelve. and I think that the reason why is just because they're not they can't play in the NCAA tournament this year. Like they're like they're they're serving they're serving punishments and stuff like that and so I think that a lot of people are overlooking this team even though they do have Cade Cunningham and uh, I know I've already talked about this but even still like Cade Cunningham wasn't even the player of the game this he he was able to find my player of the game which is uh, Isaac Likely uh, he had he had seventeen points uh, seven rebounds three steals three assists. And that was roughly about where he averages anyway. But, I mean, it's those 17 points, a lot of them came from Cade Cunningham. So it's just one of those things where this, this team really can be a sneaky one. So if you get the chance to watch Oklahoma State, I would I would highly recommend that you do it. Don't, don't, don't overlook this team because it's very uh, 
They're, they're very underrated whenever it comes to how good they can be. And the main difference in this game were free throws. Texas Tech, they got more opportunities, but they shot 69.4, where Oklahoma State shot 75%. Uh, 25 for 36 for Tech and 18 for 24 for Oklahoma State. I mean, you make one of those. That's the difference in the game. The game doesn't even need to go to overtime. And I know that that's super obvious and it's easy to, but really, I wouldn't even say just make one of them. But you, if you if you shoot 75 percent from the line, which average is about 70, so you want to see good teams, especially the 13th ranked team in the nation, shoot better than 69 percent. You shoot 75 percent. We're, we're having a different conversation here, mm-hmm. and this is not going to be my game of the week. But it was still really good to see these two teams go back and forth and really put on a great show. And it was I couldn't actually watch the game because it was just unavailable for my recording, my streaming system for some reason. I don't know why. But watching the highlights and everything, it was it was a very competitive game, and I'm I'm sorry that I missed it. So, moving on. My game of the week this week is going to be, just hear me out here, Oklahoma versus Baylor. Okay. And the reason why is you don't want to miss Baylor. You've got Jared Butler, who is probably the th- the second, maybe third best player in the nation right now. Um, but he's averaging 16 points per game, 5.8 assists, 2.9 rebounds, and uh, and two steals per game, but then also you want to watch out for uh, for Devon Mitchell, twelve point six point seven assists, three point four rebounds, and then two point seven steals per game. I mean that this Jared Butler is the hero, the captain of this team. But Devon Mitchell, he is the uh, he's the guy that you don't want to miss. He's the guy, the starter that kind of flies under the radar the most for the Baylor. But Oklahoma is coming off of some really big wins. This last week, they beat West Virginia that does not have um, uh, Shibway. Shibway has uh, is not playing for West Virginia anymore. He is out. Really? he Something's going on behind the scenes. He's not a happy camper with how the program is being run or something, but he is out. He is not playing anymore. So look for West Virginia to start really fallen down off the map here because Shibway was their best player. And I, I just think that they're going to suffer a whole lot from that. But still, even even still, uh, Moja Gibson won Big 12 Player of the Week and the NCAA Player of the Week for what he did against West Virginia. 29 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds, 2 steals. I mean, and that's one of those things where you look at him and his his season numbers, his career numbers aren't exactly jump off the page. But I mean, 29 points against number nine ranked West Virginia, Shibway or not, that's still super impressive. And then you've also got to look for Brady Manick. you got to think that their leading scorer this season is going to show up for their biggest game of the year against Baylor because he did not show up against Texas Tech. And he did not show up against West Virginia. Two points against Tech, seven points against West Virginia. But before the first six games of the year, 16.7 points per game. He shows up, and maybe uh, maybe Moja Gibson shows up together. We've got this good little tandem going. Maybe they can give Baylor a run for their money. So Oklahoma, you got to control your ball handling. Uh they, and they do a good job of that, 11.5 turnovers per game, which is tied for 46th in the league. But Baylor is 11th in the NCAA with steals at 10.1. <clears throat> and then you've got to make sure that uh, you're covering your man. 
You've got to make sure because Baylor is second in assists in the entire nation at 20.8 per game, which is insane. And then you've also got to close out on the perimeter because Baylor is one of those teams like Kansas that can just shoot anywhere behind the arc. Yeah. What Baylor has to do, just fucking be Baylor. Just be Baylor, man. Yeah. Go Baylor, by yeah, the way. Dude. I <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And oh and see, and the only reason why I picked that game was because it just Oklahoma's kind of finding its footing now. Uh they should have really tied that game against tech, and then who knows what would have happened in overtime. They just missed those those shots at the very end of the game. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? I'm not really expecting it to be a tight game. There just aren't a lot of good games from There's, which to choose this there, week. Yeah, it's probably gonna be the closest one in the Big Twelve. Man, I don't it has the potential. It, it I think it does. I think it does, but I just look for all the teams that should win to, to win, win yeah. this week. And I just think that uh I, I, I just think that that's gonna be the one game that you're gonna want to watch just for the simple fact that you just need to watch Baylor. Every time Baylor is on TV, you gotta watch this team because Gonzaga is this master powerhouse of a team. I mean, they destroyed Kansas. Um, and and, and uh, every single non-conference game that they have, because uh, Gonzaga does not play in a strong basketball conference. They're not in, either, they're not in any of the Power Five conferences. So yeah. you've got to have a strong um, non-conference, non-conference game. I mean, Luka Garza and, and Iowa. Gonzaga destroyed them, but if there's any team that's really going to give them a run for their money, it's Baylor. Yeah, because this team is that good. And Baylor's going to be battle tested by the end. Yes, I think so. Because I mean, look at the Big Twelve. You know, like it's going to be one of those things. Like I think that the Big Twelve is probably the second best conference. Three of the top six teams. I know. Three of the top six. I know, and it's just currently, gonna, it's currently. it's really going to have to depend on what West Virginia looks like, looks like without Shibway. Is if yeah. they can kind of keep going? Can Tech kind of come out of this little slump that they're in right now? Because I know that they beat Oklahoma, but it was just barely. And then you lose to Oklahoma State, who really is just playing for pride. They're yeah. not playing for jack shit right now, and you lose that game to them. I mean, albeit. An overtime game, and I understand there's no shame in losing an overtime basketball game. You were in it to the end. You've just get Texas Tech needs to pull their head out of their ass. But for now, like these top teams, Baylor and Kansas and uh, and Texas, right now they're really setting the bar high, and they really look great. Yeah. I know that Kansas did lose and get monkey stomped by Texas, but I think it was just because Texas kind of threw them off their game, and they got frustrated, and they were just throwing up shots and. Uh, yeah. I, I think that they'll be able, especially Bill Self. I think that he's been with Kansas for so long that oh, he's yeah. their coach. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. Like, and anyone who's like Bill Self, who the fuck? Like, just he's their coach. He's been with Kansas for so long. Won a national title with Kansas. Um, he can find a way. To, if anyone can really fix this, it's it's him, and he can find his way to kind of correct what what's going wrong with them whenever the opposing team switches on screens. So Kansas will be fine. They'll be there in the end. So ready to move on? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So this week will be different for NCAA football because I have the scores. Yeah. We have not. Uh, I don't know who I was. I, I just I was like <laughs> like an off camera. I just I just looked over at the corner of the room and showed it to no one. Sh- showed me like I still have them. I showed them to you earlier. Still got them. I was. <laughs> and a super gift you know it's one of those things like what am i doing here i've got the scores written down for our predictions for the games here and uh 
I am going to pull up the actual scores. Let's just say we were uh, not right. <laughs> we were very, very not right. <laughs> on, All right, you want on any of them? Let's uh, let's start off. Let's go in order. Uh, yeah. So we went Oklahoma State versus Miami. Yep. Uh, I said that Oklahoma State would win forty-eight to forty-two. You said that Oklahoma State would win twenty-four twenty-one. And the actual score was thirty-seven twenty-four. Uh, sorry, thirty-seven thirty-four. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, both right and saying, but see, but right we won in the middle. But we watched that game. You were, you were closer to the actual score. I got the the difference right. <laughs> well, and see, he, it, but I mean, I, I said it was only going to be a six-point difference. But see, here was the thing: is that Oklahoma State really ran away with this game in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, it was... Yeah, they let Miami come back in. Uh, and see, I think that what happened is... What was the name of the quarterback that Miami had that got injured? I don't remember. Yeah, because see, we were talking beforehand whenever oh, we were oh, doing oh, our... Oh, oh, uh, it's uh, De'Eric King. Whenever we were doing our predictions, yeah, one big thing that jumped out at us was the amount of passing yards mm-hmm. and how good of a passing team Miami was. And it's because of De'Eric King. And third downs. Yeah. And so I think that whenever whenever he got injured, they played still t- like it. What what was his name? Derek King. Yeah, Derek King. I think they still kind of had their defensive scheme set up to where like they were playing for Derek King. The, but it forced Miami to be more well rounded. I think so, and I, I I don't think that I don't think that Oklahoma State really prepared for them to be well rounded because I I. Because, I mean, it was early that Oklahoma yeah. State really kind of ran away with it. And, and is I, can, it, I cannot pronounce the uh, backup quarterback's name. Mm. Uh, but he came in, and, and he, didn't he, looked, play, he didn't play poorly, but he he, he wasn't De'Eric King. But, like, I mean, he, couldn't, like, he, he didn't get a chance to kind of really show what he could do whenever the game was still in hand. Like, yeah, by was, the time he got in there, the game was already yeah, just blown was, wide open. Nikosi Perry. Um he went 19 for 34, 228 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, so, I mean, good, not great, but yeah. he also didn't play a full game. Right, right. And, that, uh, that was about two and a half quarters. Yeah, and what uh, what's Oklahoma State's quarterback's name? Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders had himself Woo! a good first quarter. Uh, yeah. Of great first quarter, yeah. man. I mean, and I... What what do you think that this does? And this and and he did all of this without Chuba Hubbard too, which yeah. makes it even more impressive. So here's the question: Then do you like does this at all give him any kind of draft recognition here? Or well, he's a sophomore, so he's not eligible for the draft. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying it, this year, but he'll be he'll be getting he'll he'll. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he will be the long no because Brock Purdy. Him and Brock Purdy will be tied for like the the longest tenured uh, starting quarterback in the Big Twelve next year, um, because Charlie Brewer's gone from uh, Baylor and uh, and Sam Ellinger is Sam Ellinger entering the has draft. declared for the draft and you know so um, I think I think the team will will look different because this year it was the Chuba it was understandably the Chuba Hubbard show and uh, Chuba Hubbard's gone and and uh, another thing that happened for Oklahoma state, which caused them to kind of let, uh, Miami creep back in is, uh, Tylen Wallace opted out of the second half. Yeah. And I, I don't think it was, I, I don't think it helped that 
their quarterback went down. I think and that's. I, I think yeah, that's why. That's, yeah, yeah, that's got to be why. I think he looked. Oh, why. dude, and that. Ooh. That's. I don't. I. I haven't seen any updates, but that had to have been his ACL. It. Oh man, I would be so surprised if. It, and it wasn't even just him either. I think didn't one of Miami's running backs go down as well, or a receiver like broke their collarbone or I don't something. Remember. Cause I, because that wasn't confirmed either. But I remember sitting there watching it. It wasn't long after. I remember you. I remember you saying that's a broken call. Oh, dude, because he he came right, and it wasn't long after. It was like injury after injury, boom, boom, and yeah. I like yeah. So it, it, you know, that didn't help Miami at all. But still, like Miami put up a great fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they looked a lot better than I thought that they would. I mean, we ended up getting to the point where we got bored with that game. We started watching Vine compilations, and once <laughs> yeah. once the Vine compilation was finished, we looked up, and I at least I went, what the hell. <laughs> Like how did they how did they get back in this? Yeah, yeah. So good on Miami, but I mean even better for even better for Oklahoma State, man. So yep. I mean we were both right in that it was close. I just didn't think it was gonna. I thought it was gonna be close the whole game. I I just didn't think that Oklahoma State would be able to come out and just really control the tempo, put the put their foot on the gas, and just kind of run away with it early. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I didn't expect that either. So I mean. What do you, what do you think? How did they do rushing Oklahoma state? How did like without Chuba Hubbard, you got to know that they, that they, they were given probably some young running backs, some looks only 113 yards rushing. Uh, Miami had more rushing and passing yards. Um, yeah. So it was the third down efficiency that, uh, really won it for Oklahoma state, which is what I said last week. Miami went four for 14 Oklahoma State went six for sixteen, uh, and uh, fourth down efficiency. My, Oklahoma State went for it once, got it. Uh, Miami had to go for it on fourth down five times. Yeah, but see, but by the time that they were in those positions, it was fourth down. It was four down territory for them. I know, I know. That's yeah. what I, that's what I'm saying. And they only converted three. Now three for three for five, sixty percent. You take that, but. If you're in a position where you have to go for it five times in one game, and it's not like yeah. he, he's just being aggressive. No, they had to. Yeah, of course. Uh, if you don't convert on all of them, like that's that's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, it really just seems like what Oklahoma State just needs to do is they need to go recruit a really solid running back, and they, they'll, be, they'll be in good position to kind of maybe come back. Because I know that Oklahoma State this year was – they were looking like they were going to make some noise. They didn't really. They, they dropped. Fell, they yeah. fell off. Yeah, they, they fell off. So, they, I mean, after they got beat by Texas, because Texas was their first loss, they ended up with three losses. So, I just think it was that loss to Oklahoma. I think that was the big one where, oh, the, like, yeah. like, it just kind of, oh, yeah. because they, they were still well, it in was, it, though. It was, it was like they lost to Texas and then they have to play Oklahoma like the next week. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was so, really close. So, was, so, yeah, yeah I think, I, I think that the loss to Texas was big. But I still think that they were still in it, though, whenever it came down but, to that yeah, game that against was, Oklahoma. That was, what and that I'm was saying the, is, yeah, that was a stumble, and then Oklahoma buried them. Yeah. So, it, really, they just go get another running back, and I think that they'll be sitting pretty. I mean, and obviously, this is super, yeah, duh. super, super duh just moment. Recruit, like, just recruit the best players. Yeah, just go get hard. a really good player, and you'll be great. It's not that hard, guys. Yeah, it really is not that hard. Nope. So, I, but I just I think that Oklahoma State will be back next year, and I think that we'll be talking about them, saying that they'll be they'll they'll be in contention for the Big Twelve title again. Like, will they do it? I don't know, but I think that they, they will be a legit option to kind of knock on that door and see maybe next year finally. Yeah. So, 
So the Texas game, Texas versus... Well, I'm sorry, go on. I was going to say real quick off the bat, we are not going to talk about the the largest news in Texas football this weekend. We're just going to recap this game, and then if we get to the other stuff, we'll get to it later. But right now, we're just recapping this game. Yep. So Texas versus Colorado. I said that they were going to win 38-7. to You said they were going to win 38-28. to They won 55-23. to Yeah. And see, I... Dude, I'm telling you, I think that Texas is in good hands right now whenever it comes to quarterbacks. Because what was the name of the quarterback that came in there at the very end? Casey Thompson. Dude, that guy. The second half, 8 for 10 passing, 170 yards, 4 touchdowns. Every other completion was a touchdown. Yeah, man. And that's some of those throws that he was making, dude, on the money. On the money. And oh, see, God, and I know that, he juked out the defensive end. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then that's one of the, I, that was like, the, that was what? the most impressive touchdown I think is because <laughs> yeah. he somehow, like somehow that defender came at him. And it was, it was one-on-one. And I he was like, juked here we him, go. He juked him and didn't go anywhere, but the defender just kind of stood there and went, what just happened? He was here. Now he's there. And oh, there goes the ball. Damn it. Touchdown. You know, like it was just, <laughs> yeah. So, and who was the other, who's the other backup that, Texas has uh, Hudson Card. See, I'm telling you, I, I he, he we're gonna have to figure out. He didn't play a whole lot. No, and but it, but he. But what did I tell you? He looks good. I know, but but I think that this other guy, what's his name? Casey Thompson. I think Casey Thompson he's, he's really earned right his. The, yeah, yeah, right. I think so because he just had himself a game, and uh, and it wasn't just passing. He scampered. For, yeah, he he had a couple. A couple of scrambles that were like, oh, oh, what a change of speed. We've been seeing Sam Ellinger, who's not very, like, he's not slow, but he's not going to, you know, he's not winning too many foot races right now. His big thing was he's going to get there. He's going to get to the second level. He's going to make a linebacker regret trying to tackle the quarterback. Casey Thompson is just going to run right by that linebacker. He's just going to be like, whoops, bye. So, yeah, so we weren't... uh like I predicted the blowout, but the score was just w- vastly different than what either one of us thought it was going to be. So, but going into the half, it was seventeen to ten. Yeah, which I was like, "Well, here we go." Well, and here see, we it's go. one of those things where you look at it, and it it was just crazy that Sam Ellinger because he he came out injured. Yeah, he he got hurt yeah. there on the on yeah, that was like, final was like, play. Oh, great, and then man. Casey Thompson, dude, I'm telling you, like that—that's why I'm saying I think that Texas oh. is in really good hands because you—you you come out and you really blow the doors off of this thing. And I mean, I know that Colorado was never really tested all year, but still, like it was—they were talking about—they uh, were talking about it at halftime. But you said it beforehand. Uh, what's the running back's name? Bijan Robinson, dude. Like he, like one of the announcer or one of the like, analysts what, was what like, "What are you doing? Like, Give him the ball." Yeah, he's touched the ball once since the first two drives. And uh, yeah, that's that's the other thing. The other reason why Casey Thompson looked really good. Bijan Robinson, ten carries, a hundred and eighty-three yards, mm. and a touchdown. Well, and it, it was like that first drive that, that was right after halftime. Didn't he rush for like a seventy-five-yard touchdown yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, it was like the first play. It, it was, and you're sitting here going like, "What is Tom Herman doing? Why don't you just keep giving mm-hmm. him the ball?" And Bijan Robinson, two receptions, thirty-seven yards two touchdowns so three total touchdowns 
and like 220 something yards. Yeah, something insane, man. So this Texas team is going to look really good. And I don't think it's too far fetched to think that Texas is going to be right there next year challenging for the Big 12 title. Well, I'm not I'm not giving it to them. Yeah. At all, but I mean, I but I don't think it's going to be that bold of a prediction to think that Texas will be back in it next year for the Big 12 title. Because well, yeah. I mean, they they seem like they're in, they're in really good hands right now, and I'm I'm I think that the the new coach that they hired, I think that that's a good pickup for them. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm just saying. I just think that 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 coach is really gonna take this yeah. team to 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 really good heights. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, there, there's I mean, in a blowout like this, there's not a whole lot to break down. No, no, you know, except and, just sitting there going like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when your starters are in, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. This is what I expected. They're they're not going fast. They're, you know, it's going to be another one of those Texas Bowl games where they just control. That's that's what they do. That's how they manhandle the other teams. It's how they beat Georgia. It's how they beat Utah. It's how they beat Missouri. Just control the pace and score when you need to score and keep them out of the game, you know, keep their offense off the field. And I thought that's what this was going to be, and it was not the case. Casey Thompson got in and... It's like you've been seeing change-ups all day, and now this guy's coming in throwing 98. You can't touch it. Yeah, so good for Texas. I mean, so that's 2-0 and for the Big 12 so far. Yep. All right, so Oklahoma and Florida. This was the one that I was way wrong about. <laughs> and uh, in my defense, only one of Florida's receivers had opted out at the, at the time of whenever we recorded. <laughs> yes, it was... Their, their number one receiver. receiver. But by the time the game started, all three of Florida's top receivers had opted out of this game. Yep. So if I would have known that, I would not have picked Florida. But I am still going down with that ship. I said Florida was going to win 23-27. to 27. I was it, I was pretty wrong too. And you said Oklahoma was going to win forty five to forty two, and you said that you it thought gonna it was going to be a last, last second field goal. goal. Yeah. Oh well. The and what was the actual score? Actual score was fifty five to twenty. Whew. And see, Oklahoma. This was one of those things where it was very reminiscent of the Oklahoma State uh, Miami game, where mm. Oklahoma came out and just came out swinging, swinging. and hit every single shot. But then Florida kind of. Kind of clawed like its way back. Looked like they might start clawing their way back. But then Oklahoma but, did what Oklahoma does, and they just blew the doors off of it. Here's here's where I was right, though. Oklahoma's defense came in and yeah. was the, the yeah. big thing at the, uh, the very beginning of the game. Kyle Trask had three interceptions in the first quarter. He had only thrown four all year but three in the first quarter against Oklahoma. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and it just goes to show you that the uh, – the Big 12 title game, it's not that big of a All right, it's not that big of a surprise now that Oklahoma came out and really just manhandled Iowa State because their defense just has gotten progressively better all year. And they they like their Oklahoma's defense picked the biggest game of the year to show up, and I think that you look at that and say I think that Oklahoma puts up a better fight than Notre Dame does. Well, against Alabama, probably, but but you know it, There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I understand, but I mean, I, I'm I, sitting here. I, I was sitting here saying whenever the selection committee came out last week that I think that Oklahoma should have been number four, yeah, because I think that they've earned it and they've been playing well. And, and I think I think they proved you right, but I think so too. 
I after okay, real quick side tangent. I saw some people saying that uh, that Dan Mullen should be considered for the Texas job, but after this bowl game, his response—I don't want any part of that fucker. If you're gonna come out after getting your asshole waxed like that and say that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't this year's actual team, if you're gonna come out and get beat by 35 points and then the first words out of your mouth are trying to devalue what the other team did, no, fuck you, stay in Florida. Stay in Florida. Keep getting your shit holes kicked in. Like it's just, just, just stay in Florida, man, and keep pretending that you're Alabama because you got into the top ten because you didn't have to play Alabama until the title game this year. Yeah, but you know, and then and then what's the SEC? What's what's the SEC's favorite excuse in uh, in December? Unless your name's Alabama. Oh, we didn't want to be there. Yeah. Oh, uh, all our t- uh, half our team opted out. Never mind the fact that Oklahoma had a bunch of opt-outs too, but whatever. Yep. So anyway, that's all good, I'll say about good on, that. I mean, get on Oklahoma. I mean, that's three and zero for the Big Twelve. So yep. yep. And I do. I didn't want Florida. I didn't want Oklahoma to win. But you know, if if Florida's, you know, if you're gonna come out and say that after the game, well, I'm kind of. I'm not gonna say I'm glad Oklahoma won, but I'm glad Florida lost. Yeah. So, West Virginia and Army. Man, I was uh we were both wrong on this one. Yeah. So I said that they were going to win 35 to 3. You said that what they being West Virginia and you also and you said West Virginia was going to win 42 to 13. The actual, actual retail score price was 21-24. Bing. Yeah. Uh but West Virginia still won. Yeah. But I mean the Army put up a lot better fight. I didn't see any of the highlights of this game, so I have no idea what happened. I, I, I the, the tail of the tape here is West Virginia was a little bit better on third down efficiency. Um, they went eight for sixteen, whereas Army went five for thirteen, which was you know that's, un, that's what happens when you run the ball ninety percent of the time. Is if you're Third and four, you're fucked. How many passing yards did Army have? Fifty-seven. Oh, they beat their uh, yes, their they, season average. They beat Good their on season you. Average, season average, but they had their they. I don't think they even met their season average for rushing yards, but 182. So, uh, and that's that's what it, it really was. Two different like two different sides of the same coin. Uh, rushing yards. West Virginia had 42, and uh, like I said, Army had 182. Passing yards, West Virginia had 280, Army had 57. So uh, the big thing was really it it boiled down to the penalties um, and just, <clears throat> excuse me, third down efficiency. Third down efficiency led to extended drives, which led to more points for West Virginia. So... So do you think that uh do you think Tennessee still sorry, do you think Tennessee still comes out and beats West Virginia now with with how well Army did against them, or do we think that we were just under appreciating how good Army was? Because I mean they get we we both thought that because oh, okay. I mean because originally originally Tennessee originally Tennessee and West I Virginia Ar- were supposed to I, play I, each other. No, I think Army kicks the shit out of Tennessee too. And I thought that when when the bowl games were announced. Yeah. So, uh, no. Okay, think, so you so you I, think, I think West Tennessee Vir- is that bad? Okay, so you think that West Virginia still wins that game regardless? Yeah. It's just our we just didn't give Army enough credit. Yeah. 
And so, if you want to move on, because neither of us saw any actual footage of that game. Yeah, sorry, West Virginia fans. We, uh, I don't care. We, <laughs> if any West Virginia fans are listening, we care. Yeah, Ashburn. 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 We love you. Send us an email. You're the only person that consistently oh, listens yes. to us. Yes, two-time furthest away listener. Two-time furthest away listener. Ashburn, yeah. love so. you. Please send us an email. Yeah. So TCU in Arkansas. Canceled. Does not matter. So yeah. Iowa State. It doesn't matter what your score was. Nice. Love it. Love it. Anyway. Uh, Iowa State and Oregon. I said that Iowa State was going to win 41 to 21. And you yeah. said that the second half, the, the backups were going to be playing, and this final score was going to be 62 to 28. Actual retail price? Uh, it was uh, 17 to 34, Iowa State won. So, first of all, that's a clean sweep for Big 12 teams in all their bowl games. Mm hmm. Good on you, Big 12. Well, okay. I, In my defense, the first half looked like I was going to be right because Iowa State was up 14-7, to knocking on another touchdown, went for it on fourth down at like the one and didn't get it, and then Oregon turned around and scored a touchdown and tied it up. So I think if they get yeah, that, but the entire the entire game shifts at that. Yeah, point. but it was still it was still twenty eight to fourteen at halftime though because yeah because because Iowa or, State well, Iowa and, State turned around and, and still scored on well, the well did you see, did you see how because it was it was whenever Iowa State scored to go up twenty one to fourteen mm-hmm. and it was before the end of the half they kicked off to Oregon and Oregon fumbled the yeah. kickoff so that gave that gave Iowa State a lot shorter of a field. Yeah, with which to work, and th- I mean, and good teams, great teams, take advantage of those mistakes. And mm-hmm. Iowa State did. I'm not trying to sit there and say, oh, mm-hmm. the only reason is because Oregon, they were no, trading, yeah. they were trading blows back and forth, and then Oregon fumbled. It's like, well, yeah, they did, and I get that. But I mean, I mean, we're if this was the, if, we're, if, if, we're if, Cowboys fans, yeah, we know exactly what it looks like to get a turnover and not take advantage. Yeah, I'm telling you, and I was just about to make the same joke. <laughs> That's why we're best friends. Yeah. So. And then Iowa State came out and just really they they did not allow Oregon a chance to get back into it at all. No. And good on Iowa State. I mean, I think they that, shut them out in the second half. Yeah, and so, so. I I really do think that Matt Campbell's still going to be back next year. Yeah. I think that, and obviously this team is going to finish in the top ten. Yeah. Um. So this will be the highest ranking in school history. I know that this year has been a little funky, and we'll we'll see if they can kind of keep this going because Brock Purdy's going to be back next year, and uh, uh, a lot a lot of the core group of Iowa State is going to be back again next year. Yep. So next year, it, it's going to look like it's going to be more of the same. Yeah. Of what we had this year, unfortunately, but. Uh, that that obviously that plays well for Iowa State and maybe they can take advantage again next year and I'm telling you I was watching that game against Oregon and if something good happened I was like pumping my fist like yes like go get them Iowa State yeah they're kind of like the Clippers they were so bad for so long that I just can't be mad at them regardless right? yeah. what happens oh so. yeah oh yeah it's just man they if they if they hadn't dropped that first game of the season. I oh I know man. If they That's, hadn't dropped that first game of the season, mm, yeah, 
literally, I mean, it wouldn't really have mattered because Oklahoma still probably would have come out and wiped the floor with them. But Big 12 championship, Iowa State could have been knocking on the door of the college football playoff. Yeah, and then Oklahoma kicking the shit out of Iowa State would have looked a lot more impressive. I know that they didn't like actually because I mean Iowa State kind of clawed. They clawed game. back. Yeah. They clawed back in there at the end. They just couldn't dig out of that hole that yeah. they found themselves. Yeah. But I think that that pushes Oklahoma up over a little bit, and I think that Oklahoma probably jumps A and M, and is at least at five. And people maybe look at it and consider them me- moving. Notre Dame out and putting Oklahoma in because you you look at it and say look at all these teams that yeah. Oklahoma's beaten and recently they beat yeah. a top five team in Iowa State and they beat them pretty handedly. Yeah, the score was not uh, reflective of how that game really was. It just wasn't, and it, and it avenged one of their two losses. Yep, yep. So yeah, and seeing that that would have been like yes, Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State, but I mean, look at the resume that Iowa State had. Right, it's just that first game. God damn it, Iowa State. God damn it. <laughs> I know. How things could have been different. I know, I know, I know. So, thank you, college football. I know that we've got one more game left to play, and man, did Ohio State prove me wrong. But uh, Notre Dame did not. And that no. was the team That was the team I was more critical of anyway. Like, I, like, Ohio State, I was looking at it going, hey, like, it's fine. Like, it's not fine. No, but you said you said they shouldn't. They they there should be a criteria. You should have to have played a certain amount of games. I think so. I think so because I mean, look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati got punished for not playing. Mm-hmm. They kept dropping, but Ohio State kept kept advancing in the polls whenever they weren't playing. It was just well, one of the. It's like I said last week. You know, there are certain programs that do get the benefit of the doubt because they've been there time in and time out, and you know it. Unfortunately, that's. I know it just is what it is. It is what it is, and I understand that. That's just why we need eight teams. And yeah, we'll see. But but so but yeah, we've got. I mean, hopefully, this national championship game is going to be great. So we've got one more game to go, but the Big Twelve is done. Yep. And as always, college football is super entertaining to talk about and see where it goes. And this year was no exception. It's just always just so disappointing whenever the results come out and you go, God damn it. Like, fucking really? Oh. And this year was just just like every other year. It's like, oh, Ohio State versus Alabama. We haven't seen that since 2014. Yep. <laughs> but, yep. hey, you know. You know what? Notre Dame should have won. Yeah. Well, but then they wouldn't have. They, no, let's no, just face it. No. Alabama is that good. And the last time that Alabama and Notre Dame faced each other, it was the same thing. But that was BCS, and I remember looking at that, going, "This is bullshit. Notre Dame does not belong in this game," and right. they didn't. And that was probably one of the first real signs that people were looking at it, saying, "We need a playoff." Yeah, because this one versus two bullshit just ain't fucking cutting it. And it's it's like that every time too. Because whenever the BCS first came out, everyone was going, "Oh, number one and number two are finally going to battle it out for the national championship." Like this is what we wanted. Three seasons, four seasons into it, they're like, "This is bullshit. You can't get it right." Then right. the playoff comes, and everyone's like, "Finally, a playoff!" Like, literally, I think there was three teams that were that went undefeated and were consensus. Uh, national champions at the end of the year uh, in the BCS. And the first one was Texas. And I think the next two were Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Uh, then maybe Auburn with Cam Newton. 
Cam Newtown. That's how I always think about it from the league. Whenever Taco's trying to set his lineup and he hadn't set it in weeks, and Ruxin oh, yeah. is trying to trying to like vet him to see if he knows what he's doing, and everyone back there is trying to like navigate him, and he goes, "Oh, starting quarterback Cam Newtown." That's just <laughs> that's just what I always think of with Cam Newton. So, wait, washing your hands is good for you? <laughs> I was just doing it because it felt good. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite jokes from that whole show. Oh, I like I like it whenever he's sitting there trying to get the uh, he's trying to get the faucet to start turning on the automatic one, and he's sitting there going like, "Come on, baby, just get a little wet for me." Like, do I have to talk dirty to you? And he stands up and looks back, and it's Kevin who's saying it, and this this stranger this stranger's just standing there looking at him, and he goes, "My name's Rodney Ruxin," and then he leaves the room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that show. All right, so we can do our trivia and get on out of here. So, just once again, do you not? What do you want? Don't want to talk about the uh, the head coaching news? Oh no, yeah, let's do, do that. Wanna, so, do no, you, you want to split that off into a different episode? Nope, let's do it. Go ahead, let's talk about okay, it. Because I thought about doing a, a solo episode and talking about it, but then I realized, you know, the. Uh, Without the back and forth, I'm going to talk for 15 minutes and, and be like, you know, it's just, uh, and you're going to get a whole lot of uh, that. So without having Cameron as a sounding board and telling me why my ideas are stupid. For the idea. It would uh, not be very entertaining for you. So the biggest news in Texas sports for the past week, which is saying something considering Texas men's basketball beat Kansas by 25. The biggest news that day even Tom Herman got fired and it, yeah they 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 were even talking about it during the yeah. the basketball game too yeah Tom Herman got fired which somehow was shocking i didn't they, see it coming they kept they, saying they had said they come out and made statements saying that he's going to be our guy moving forward so i don't know i've i saw on twitter that people were speculating that it could be uh that he got fired for cause meaning that they wouldn't have to pay his buyout i haven't seen anything else about that so it's probably false so wait what is that why don't they have to pay his buyout if you if you get fired for cause it's you're the one who's violating your contract okay okay so it voids your contract which means they don't have to pay the buyout um but because it's not like a severance package yeah, right. So, um, which I think he would still get. Anyway, doesn't matter. He's gone. Whatever you thought about him, if you liked him, didn't like him, doesn't matter. He's gone now. What, four hours later? Steve Sarkeesian is announced as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. Called it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you, if you I go, didn't, I didn't say that he would, but I'm just as saying soon as that, he got fired, I was like, it's gonna be Steve Sarkeesian because the other only other name I saw that day was Brian Kelly, and he's not going, he's not leaving Notre Dame unless it's to retire. Yeah, I wouldn't want to leave Notre Dame either. Like you, Notre Dame's one of those schools that you always get the benefit of the doubt yeah. just because of your name. Yeah, like they're, like it's it, they're like the Ohio States and the Alabamas that. You, you you don't you get the benefit of the doubt and you don't even have to actually be in a conference. Yeah. Yeah. Like they used to play in the Big Ten. Now they're like, well now now we play in the ACC. I know I know they're a part the of Big the Big Ten got good. <laughs> well they're 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 a part of the ACC in basketball. 
but I, I didn't. I, do they consider themselves in the ACC in football too? Now that now oh, they do they? Do. Okay. The, okay, but they're not. They're still not part of the ACC. They just play in the ACC. Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't know. But anyway. Okay. So, but yeah. So, Steve so, Sarkeesian. It's yeah, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, and I've I've seen some people say that this is a lateral move, and I tend to agree. It is not a clear cut improvement, but what is going to be a clear cut improvement is the relationship between the head coach and the boosters. He's going to have the goodwill of the people who are behind the burn orange curtain is a phrase that I've heard a lot this week, uh, pulling the strings and, you know, paying the money and all that. And, and he's taking over. He's, he may be a lateral move from Tom Herman, but I think we can all agree if Tom Herman got a team that was worth shit, he would have been able to do a lot more with it. I mean, maybe, maybe we don't, but the, the truth is Tom Herman did leave the program in a better, uh, in, in better position than when, than when he took over. And maybe that's the Sam Ellinger effect. Who knows? But that is the truth. And Sarkeesian is going to be walking into a much better situation now than Tom Herman did in uh, 2017. So that's that's the long and short of it is as uh, as Longhorns fans, I think it is okay to say, you know what? Hey, I think this is a lateral move. But the the problem is that if if this situation works, because he's if you look at who Steve Sarkeesian has coached under, uh, it's Pete Carroll. He actually coached. Uh, he was the quarterbacks coach for the USC Trojans in that 2005 national title game against Texas. And he even in his interview in his, uh, uh, he did a media availability. He talked about that game and thinking like Texas would be a great job to have one day. Um, you know, may, who, if maybe that's bullshit, maybe it's not, I don't know, but he was sitting there saying that he was just thinking about the history and all that. And, and he thought that maybe one day, Texas would be like a dream job to have. Of course, you're going to say that, but well, it's kind of, that's, that's kind of his history. He, his background is, is he, he came up under Pete Carroll uh, and then he went to Washington and he was the head coach of the, of the Washington Cougars. He took over a team that lost 12 games. Huskers. Huskers. Yes. Washington. Yes. Cougars. Okay, go on. Wait, no, Washington State is the Cougars. Who's yeah. The, what is Washington? The, the Huskies. Huskies. You Huskies. said Huskers. Yes, Huskies. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. So I was about Washington, to say, am I wrong here? He took over the Washington Huskies. Uh, Half right. The year before, they had won... 0-12. Uh, oh yeah, they had won zero games. I think that first year, they won three, I think. And then the second year, they went 7-6, and 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 then 7-6 and six again. And then I think he had they went one. to they went to I've I've got it pulled up here they okay. they beat USC and Nebraska is what this thing says at the end of the year and they went to three straight bowl games in five seasons uh, and they finished with an overall record of thirty four and twenty nine okay. so I mean taking over for a team that went zero and twelve that's not too bad that's not too bad and then he and then he moves on to USC USC yeah it was that next um, year and and he did okay he won nine games. The first year at USC, which, if you recall, USC has been at this at this time they are uh, 
I don't think they're still under sanctions. I think this is the first year out of sanctions when they got Sarkeesian and they went nine and three. Um, and then it would have been in 2013 whenever he took over at USC. So maybe they still had sanctions. I don't remember. But uh, then the next year he got dismissed partway through the season. And I don't remember what his record was at that point. Excuse me. But he got dismissed for um, trouble with alcohol. And he has since gotten sober and has been the uh, offensive coordinator for the Alabama. Excuse me. Jesus. For the Alabama Crimson Tide for the last two years, three years. And uh, has he's been sober for years now and you look at it he's he's got Pete Carroll influence and Nick Saban influence and I've seen a lot of people speculating okay what what will Texas look more like would it look more like Pete Carroll or more like Nick Saban two totally different cultures both very successful in their own times and he was a part of both of them at their height right yeah here's my thing that's great for USC that works at USC that works at Bama. It's not going to work at Texas because Texas is not a job. The Texas head coaching job is not a job for a football coach. It's a job for a politician. Mac Brown showed you that Mac Brown is he's a, he's a great football coach, but nobody ever talks about Mac Brown being a great tactician or an X's and O's guys. That's not his game. His game, Mac Brown's game, is to keep the boosters happy and bring in the top coordinators to coach your players and bring in top talent. And that's what he did at Texas. And, hey, national championship. You know? If you look at, if you look at some of the coordinators that Mac Brown had, Manny Diaz, head coach now. Gus Malzahn has been a head coach, national championship winning head coach, Gene Chizik, national championship winning head coach. Will Muschamp, also a head coach. So, Mac Brown had a had a good track record of bringing in guys who were about to make their big break and 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 getting the best that he could to coach his guys. And then he takes care of the political side. So that's why I say that the Texas job is a job for more of a politician. Now, is Sarkeesian that guy? I don't know. He's I to my knowledge, he's never had to be. So can he do it? I don't know. But as far as the actual football team, what he's going to be able to put on the field, he's in a much better position to succeed than Tom Herman has ever been. Purely because he's got the goodwill of the boosters right now and the talent that Tom Herman was able to bring in. So all that to say, I think as if you are a Longhorns fan, you should be cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I see people already picking the Longhorns to, to win the Big 12 next year. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I think, I mean, I I said earlier in the year, Texas is a 10-win team next year. And I still stand by that. I think they can win 10, 10 games next year. But I think that because of where Texas is, he's got the goodwill of the boosters. Now, you come out, you go 8-4 and four next year, that's gone. I think you have to win nine games at least to keep the fans and the boosters on your side. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but 
I'm it's you, you love to see a guy get a second chance, especially being that ironically, this is called the drunken fan podcast, but both of us are sober at the moment. So, you know, you have anything to add? Uh, just the, the little things that I've been looking at here. Uh, he did win assistant coach of the year this year. Yep. So he's at least the got the Broyles award. Yeah. The Broyles. Thank you for, I would not have known how to have pronounced that. Broyles. Broyles. <laughs> I anyway. can't even pronounce it incorrectly. Um, so, and another thing, he did the the Washington team that he took over the year before went zero and twelve, and the team the next year finished five and seven in their first seasons. And wait, in his first season, in his first season, okay. he went five and seven, including a win at number three ranked USC. That team won that game that year, and it was the team that he had just left too. Yeah. So it's one of those, th- and then and also- and he's going to be coaching against the team that he just left. Yeah, because next year. Yeah, because Texas it's a- plays Alabama. Yep. And then he also that very same year Washington ve- defeated number nineteen California. So he took an zero and twelve team and beat two top ranked teams that very next year. And Sarkeesian never finished like. Oh, better than five and four in the Pac-12, though. So I mean, it's he won some games, but he didn't like consistently win. So it seemed like that he's like the he, perfect coach for Texas because they seem to play to their opponents, and it seems like he coaches to his opponents. Well, okay. As far as his head coaching record, it's a little bit misleading because it's like thirty-six and twenty something. Yeah, like overall, like including. Yeah, it's 36 and 28, I think. But uh, if you look at the team that he took over at USC, they were primed and ready. They won nine games and they were, they had the talent, they had the coach, they were primed and ready, and they were doing fairly well from what I remember uh, that year that he ended up getting fired. But it was his his, uh, alcoholism that came out and really became a problem yeah right it had been it had been an issue at washington so it's not like it just all of a sudden went off the rails but at usc it became a a major problem and uh that's what he ended up getting let let go for so it wasn't necessarily that they didn't think that he was going to be able to bring their their uh football team back out of the uh the sanctions into national prominence and if you look at it, what has SC done since? Oh, yeah. But, but see, that's the same thing with any team that gets kind of sanctions. Like, same thing with Penn State. Penn oh. State was going to be one of those schools I, yeah. that was going to be the yeah. next break through the ceiling kind of thing in the Big 12, and then they got sanctions and nothing. SMU still hasn't recovered. Miami hasn't even recovered, even though they never got the death penalty. But my- Alabama, though. Alabama is the lone. <laughs> no, no, are, no, they, no, 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 no. They are the lone exception. But look at any other school anomaly, that has ever yeah. had any kind of any kind of exceptions. You know, yeah. like it's just. Yeah. It, so it, it's it, he was kind of put in a, in a tough situation at USC where he was not going to be able to really do much because players aren't going to go to schools that have sanctions on it because kids are showing, especially this year with all the opt outs, that they want to be able to play four big national championships and if they're not going to get that then rightfully so i'm not saying i'm not sitting here going like why put yourself at risk yeah yeah yeah, of course what 
Of course. To pr- yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Like, I still would rather see people finish what they start, but yeah. I but I get it. I'm not sitting here. So, and, it, like, I'm willing to bet that if it was not for the alcoholism, who knows where USC could be now? Where could he have taken them? Because, I mean, he took that, he took that Washington team that was, as we've already talked about, and has really, it really improved that team immediately overnight. And it, this Texas team we were talking about in the bowl games is really set up right now for success because yeah. it seemed like that. I don't know if, it, if if maybe Tom Herman was kind of blinded trying to get Sam Ellinger a little bit more credit than he probably really deserved or whatever, but he he really went away from that that game plan. And you were even sitting there saying, watching the game, being like, God, why did we stop running the ball? Like, what, yeah. what, what happened there? Yeah. And I think that once Sam Ellinger was out of the game and all the pressure was kind of off Tom Herman and being like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about Sam Ellinger anymore. Let's just go out there and just play and does do what works and that's whenever the doors blew off of the like that's whenever they blew the doors off of it yeah and so i'm wondering if maybe sarkeesian can kind of come in and continue down that path because now he doesn't have any kind of loyalties to a guy like sam ellinger and Mm -hmm. he can just get there and he doesn't really have a whole lot of ties to texas at all so he's going to be coming in here with with a fresh set of eyes um, no emotional ties to it, not his former alma mater or anything like that, and he's just kind of coming here. We we were talking about the same thing with um, uh, um, with uh, who did the Rangers just sign uh, from the Braves? Oh, uh, Charlie Culberson. Yeah, yeah. So he he leaves the Braves, who was his hometown team, and he grew mm-hmm. up cheering for him. Maybe a change of scenery. Can't not that he cheered for Alabama, but this is kind right. of the same thing where right. he goes to a place, zero ties to it. I'm just here to win football games, and maybe he won't get in his own way. Tom Herman kind of seemed to do that every now and then. Yeah, and I think I think that's what you get. Like, as far as the X's and O's and game plan and stuff like that, I think Tom Herman has proven. He, I mean, he's undefeated in bowl games. I think he's proven if you give him enough time to prepare, he will get you a winning formula. The problem with Tom Herman was him getting in his own way and making enemies out of the boosters and some of the, even some of the former players. Cause if you look at it, like Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott, Charles Amenihue, like all these guys that were big parts of that 2017 or 2018, 10 win team, except for Malik Jefferson. Uh, they're all like, good, get him out of there. So, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what it was about his personality that rubbed them the wrong way, but it, it, he's proven that X's and O's he can do it with, with uh, Sarkeesian, you're going to get a little bit more of a, uh, a humble type of that because he's he's also proven he can, as far as offense, man, he can he can scheme an offense. I mean, look at look at Devonte Smith, and you're going to see it in the national championship game. Everybody knows they're going to get they're going to get Devonte Smith the ball. Can anybody stop him? No, and it's because of the scheme. They find ways consistently to scheme him open. And that's what he's going to be able to bring to Texas. But he's also got the maturity of somebody who has very publicly faced his demons and very publicly been taken down, not just a peg, but 10. So maybe this is Tom Herman. Like I said, you know, Tom Herman is a good coach and he could develop into that guy. Maybe in five, 10 years, he will be that guy. Maybe this is Tom Herman five, 10 years from now. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, because, I mean, you've unfortunately with college football and everything and this once again, like if, if this was any kind of major coaching change in the Big 12, we'd be talking about it. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, it's just, just, it's just is, Texas. It just happens yeah, yeah, yeah. to it's be just, the happens only to be... major coaching change in the Big 12. Yeah, this is it. If the, we would be dissecting any kind of, so don't think that this is just like, oh, all they do is talk about Texas. Like, well, yes, because this is, this is a big moment in Big 12 football. It's been an issue for the past two and a half months. Yeah, it really has. And, and now it's kind of come to fruition here and we're, we're kind of dissecting the end result here. So don't just, just stick with us. Trust me. We'll like any other coaching changes. We'll be talking about it too. Texas Tech. The, we addressed it for a bit. It never happened. Offensive coordinator, that's what they should have done in the first place. No controversy and, there. Yeah, and they they brought in Sonny Cumbie, who yeah. is – he was good at Texas uh, – he was good at TCU. Uh, he's a Texas Tech – like, that's his alma mater. You know, bring him in. He's he's a proven commodity. Like, let, let's see what he can do. Yeah, so, so that's just why. Like, we'll address stuff, but, like, head coaching changes are huge. Yeah, yeah. So whenever it comes to I, – I just, I just think that – Unfortunately for Tom Herman, it just seems like that he just could not play the politics game. I think whenever he was at Houston, the, uh, you like, don't have to. Everything was because Houston was nothing, nothing until Tom Herman took it over, and then he puts a grill in his mouth, and everyone just loves him so much. And he turns around this Houston team, takes mm-hmm. Case Keenum to a massive NFL contract that he does not deserve, beats Oklahoma. Yep. Absolutely. And so this is one of those things where he kind of roamed around the campus at the University of Houston with big dick on campus and boosters weren't going to tell him no to anything. And I think that he kind of maybe once again got in his own way and thought that he was going to be able to come in here and do well, which he did. Yeah, he did well, not good enough. And I think that the boosters were kind of looking at it saying this is fine. But it's not good enough, and we need you to kind of play ball with us. And Tom Herman just probably kind of looked at it and went, fuck you. Like, I'm Tom Herman. All speculation. I'm not saying that's what he did. Yeah. And maybe not that extreme, but that's how the boosters probably took that's, it. Yeah, oh, I guarantee that's how they took it. So that's why that they had this vendetta against him. And I think that Sarkeesian can come in and play the politics game on top of putting a good product out on the field. I bet you if Sarkeesian puts the exact same product out on the field that Tom Herman has— Sarkeesian gets more chances because I think that he knows how to play to the boosters a little more. I think mm-hmm. he's been taught. And I think Tom Herman, this is going to be a learning opportunity for him. I think he's going to go somewhere and learn how to play the game oh. a little better. Oh, and and uh, before you start thinking like, oh, is this guy a Texas fan and an Alabama fan? The an- short answer is I kind of have to be because my wife is from Alabama, born and raised Alabama fan. That means whole, her whole side of the family is an Alabama fan. She's already gotten a text from her dad saying, I hope – they get Tom Herman to be the OC. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, if Tom Herman goes to head coach boot camp over at, uh, at Alabama and is the offensive coordinator for two, three years and wins the national title, bro, they, yeah, that, I mean, means, this is... that means he's coached under Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. Yeah. Won national titles with both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be a hot name again. Yeah, and I th- and I think Nick Saban once again. I think that Nick Saban has kind of helped 
Sarkeesian through his demons, different kind of demons. Yeah. I think Tom Herman's demons are not being able to play the politics well, and, game. And, 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 and that's, I know that that's not the same thing as like alcoholism because that's like a real demon, but that w- is something that will hinder it, your career. It, it absolutely is. And if you look at it, like people make the joke about him being a, a member of Mensa, but that was like one of the things that he, and for those of you who don't know, Mensa is a club that's that you have to have an IQ of 140 or higher to join. You have to prove that you have it. Uh, and for those of you who don't know this, the the genius level IQ, the standard is 140. So 140 and up, you're considered a genius. Tom Herman is a member of Menza. He is literally qualified uh, to call himself a genius. And I think with that, a lot of times comes a lot of arrogance. I think getting fired is going to knock him down a peg. And it's going to be humbling. It, I think it's going to be a little bit humbling. And I think if he goes to Alabama, there's no better person to humble and build you up than Nick Saban. And I think if Tom Herman can get the Alabama job, because uh, he might not be on their radar, but I think if he can get that Alabama job, good God. That yeah, I mean, would, Tom Herman's going to have a resume, scary man. Yeah. football coach. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it's just going to be... It's unfortunate for Texas and Tom Herman. It was just a meeting of the minds that just it was it, timing is always a bitch. Yeah, and this was just one of those things where the timing just didn't work out. Yeah. I I don't think that anyone, whenever this is, whenever the dust settles, I don't think anyone's gonna have any kind of animosity towards anyone. I just think that I'm sure Tom Herman's upset. I'm sure the boosters are upset. But once it's all said and done, I'm not saying that Tom Herman's going to be invited out to play golf with the boosters at Texas. But I think that once everything settles, everyone's going to kind of look back on it and just be like, it just wasn't the right time. Yeah, I think good luck in your endeavors. We hope you do well. I think I and think, I think he will. Yeah, I think 10, 15 years from now, if if Sarkeesian comes in and does really well, I don't think you're going to have another head coaching search for another 10, 15 years. But I think if that's the case, 10, 15 years from now, Tom Herman might be back on the top of that list as far as people to bring back I possibly mean, i mean it's not unheard of no it's not, not unheard, unheard of at all mac brown is in his second stint at yep. uh, north carolina S- steve spurrier two stints at uh florida right yep yep so um we'll see or no was it south carolina anyway it doesn't matter steve spurrier is south carolina yeah you're he right had two cents two cents at south carolina anyway yep. so so it it's not unheard of. I, I I really do hope that 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 bridge isn't completely burned because I seeing some of the football moves and football game plans that he's come out with as far as coming out and being able to to control not just beat but control Georgia and a really good Utah team and yeah okay Colorado wasn't that good but you made them look like they weren't that good. And you did the same thing to K-State. Like, I think the X's and O's, I think he's got it. And I think with more experience, he's going to be a really, really good football coach. And I hope that one day he can bring that back to Texas. Time will tell. Time will tell. But we've got what we've got here. I don't think, even if this is a lateral move for Texas, I still think it's, yeah. this is a good lateral move to make. I think it's just, yeah. once again, just someone who can, someone who can play the game and, play the game you know what i mean and and i mean i mentioned it earlier and this is the last thing i'm going to say because i really have to pee but i mentioned it uh earlier uh in the podcast's history uh, so uh, like a couple months ago when i okay when i decided i was finally sold on the urban meyer thing uh i mentioned 
when Tom Herman got hired, there, you know, there's there's the guy, and then there's the guy before the guy. I and I said Tom Herman feels like the guy before the guy. Well, guess what? Steve Sarkeesian now. Now is, we've got the guy is set up to be the guy. Can he do it? I don't know. I mean, but is there? Yeah. There's other. There are no other proven commodities out there, who are who are coming to Texas. You know, and uh, as far as people who are set up to take that next step to be the guy, name somebody who's more set up than Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, I mean, and whenever we were talking about it earlier, uh, whenever we got into the like the debate about it, whether mm-hmm. or not to go for whoever, you were sitting there talking about like who's on the list, who's on the list. And I'm like, well, I mean, Alabama's offensive coordinator could be on that list. Yeah, and I mean, here we are. Like, I just think yeah. that this is the only coach that would make sense that if your name's not Urban Meyer, and if he if he wanted 12 mil a year, like he's supposedly wanting in Jacksonville. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. So, yeah, so I think this is a good move. But uh, we can move on now to the... All right, so just to rephrase the... Uh, not rephrase, but just to repeat the question here. Uh, it says that uh, on February 25th, 2006, Texas beat Kansas 80-55, to and it was the uh, last time before this before Saturday, that Texas beat Kansas by 25 points. Who was the leading scorer in that game for Texas? So, my guess, because I said there's one people, one name that people remember from this era and one that people probably don't. And uh, are we recording? Yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, it looks like it. What happened? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I think we're recording. Yeah, we're recording. Maybe. Anyway, there's one name that people remember from this area, era, and one that people probably don't. Uh, The name from this era, it wasn't this team, is Kevin Durant. So obviously I know it wasn't this team, so I know it wasn't him. Which means the only other name I remember is DJ Augustine. So that is my guess. That is incorrect. I figured. The leading scorer was P.J. Tucker. Ah, with 19 points. Here is the player that everyone remembers from this Texas team is LaMarcus Aldridge. I forgot he went to Texas. He had 18 points that night, but that's not the most impressive stat from him. Uh, He went nine for 10 from the field. So he had an almost perfect night. Um, But he also, LaMarcus Aldridge was the one that he had the most impressive game he had a he had a double double with rebounds and points, and then he also I think had like five assists or something like that. But PJ Tucker was the one who had he was the leading scorer on that team with nineteen. So next year we're just gonna have to remember next whenever Texas beats Kansas again by twenty five and fucking twenty thirty five in sixteen years. The answer to this question now is who had the most points in 2020? And I think we're all going to look back on it and be like, I just wanted to forget about 2020, just all of it. Yeah. But uh, the leading scorer for Texas that night was Courtney Ramey. Ramey. Ramey, excuse me. With 18. Uh, so almost the same, I guess. Shut your fat ass, Ramey. <laughs> I can't run out and buy a pack of cigarettes. 
without running into nine guys you fucked. That's a good movie. Oh, what color was it, bitch? <laughs> I can't believe that just fucking happened. I'll shoot myself in the head. You tell me that cat's name. Your precious little... Skibby, skibby. Oh, what color was it, bitch? My favorite quote from that scene right there is whenever he's like, Rocco, calm down, calm down. And he's got the iron in his hand. And he looks at him and he goes, you start getting excited, motherfucker. We gotta go. Yeah, that's the best line. Yeah. And that was my text message tone forever because it was back whenever like soundboards were really big, whenever smartphones first were coming out. Yeah. And you could save one of them as your text message tone, and I, that was that was my text tone forever. <laughs> Man, that was funny. <sighs> well, all right, a lot covered this week. Mavericks won, yeah. so everyone that's listening to this already knows that. But Mavericks got a big win tonight, so one thirteen to one hundred. Chalupa. So they don't do that anymore. Everyone scores a fucking hundred points now. Chipoopy. Boopy. Man, that that family guy episode's funny too. Well, alright. I think oh, I'm spent. Oh man. You good? You gotta have the energy up for the exit. The green rises to the top. I don't know. That's that was Macho Man Randy Savage. I didn't prepare uh thing this week like there's nothing to really prepare for like i was trying to like look around and see like a good promo for a game that's happening this week nothing cowboys are done we've got college basketball but there's nothing really any good so i'll tell you what give me a hell yeah hell yeah